Then you know we'll what? Do a clap sync. Oh, sorry, my bad. Oh. My bad. Right. No, not usually no. on the podcast. No, we're doing the clap sync. <laughs> we <laughs> always do the clap sync. <laughs> I fucked it up. <laughs> it's okay. All right, clap sync. Uh, three, two, one. Wonderful. All I was gonna say yeah. is that after the experience of watching McCoy try to dismantle that bomb in. Call of Duty. I'm shocked that you guys rely on a three, two, one click and a clap. <laughs> like and I know that it you said sense. that in the last podcast because I listened to the the Call of Duty podcast and was like, yeah, good point. But then being here, yeah. I was like, wow, yeah, he shouldn't be allowed to do this alone. Yeah, it, it rang extra true. <laughs> yeah, I actually also recently tried to. I think it was dance, although I wouldn't like to publicly admit it if it weren't relevant for the story. But I then was once again reminded of my inability <laughs> to have any beat because um, I was like lightly dancing, and then I was also so like we were singing songs on a car ride, and so. But we had stories in our head that we wanted to communicate. So you would rewrite the lyrics over the lyrics in the cadence of the lyrics to like basically like rap over the rap or whatever. But you had to like make fun of the song or talk about history or talk about a movie or just anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, how long it was, was this really drive? Jesus. How long was this drive? It was <laughs> three hours, three and a half hours there, three and a half hours back. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Long enough for me to get through all of my high school favorite songs and just fucking long enough for me to consider, but not do, but consider rolling down my window and screaming a lyric at a song at a lady at the fucking ATM that we were shopping by. I was like, I was like, I was definitely like finger on the like, what's that? I don't even know, window down button thing, like Mm -hmm. ready to be like, I could. She would enjoy this, right? And I'm like looking at her. She's like 45. Like, okay, does she know about Drake? <laughs> does she? <laughs> does she know about um? God, like replay by Ayaz. You know, does she know? <laughs> <laughs> but short, exactly. it's like a memory in my in my brain. Anyways, okay, yeah, yeah. we're gonna get copyright struck yeah. for that. Sorry. Of course, then she goes to Facebook, being like. This young man is at the ATM, told me that I was like a melody in his head. head? Audacity. (laughs) Exactly. Men. The youth of today are so entitled. He called me shorty. Yeah. Exactly. I'll have you know that five foot three is a completely normal height for a woman of my age. I was wearing what risers? I don't even know like what you would wear for lifts. They lifts. called lifts when you put shit in your shoes that makes you taller. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, exactly. This actually none of these occurred to me in this moment, but I really am doubling down on my decision to not open the window. And yeah, say no, I this. think it was a good choice. Now that we've analyzed it a little bit. Nice. Um, cool. So before we get to what remains of Edith Finch, I almost said the vanishing of Ethan Carter because to me in my head they're interchangeable. And normally I don't get game titles interchangeable, but I have really struggled <laughs> yeah, with these two. Normally that's me who's just just shouting shit out that's just wrong. I've been calling Mass Effect Bioshock for at least six months now. I know. <laughs> oh, that's that's normal. <laughs> Thank you, James. It's not normal. Both of you guys do Every help. time I do it, McCoy gets really upset. No. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Bioware, Bioshock, Mass oh. Effect. Ooh. Oh. I- and they were both series that were like big things on the podcast. That's so. what I'm saying. They were both like big series. Series? Series I. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
the results. So I'm I'm supporting you, Elena. It's okay Thank you. for you to. Call I will have. Massive I would. Like, this is actually public because it's recorded. And you're gonna put it on the 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 airwaves. So um, both James, fuck you, both James and <laughs> Zoe have come out publicly to support me. Well, it started with the miscategorization that I get really upset when you do this. Like, what is okay. that imagery? Okay. Is like me like smashing tables. You don't get something. really upset, but I do typically get a small lecture. About like carelessness and how it how it <laughs> like it. It, you're it will fucking it's poison your mind. That never. No, happened. see, the, the only person who'd get really upset would be Gabe, and Gabe's not here this week, so it's okay. All right, Gabe. Perfect we transition. Who yeah. is here this week? Just so we can know, just for fun, let's list some names. I'll list some names. Okay, My name. Holy cool. crap, that's a throwback to a long time ago in the podcast. Remember when we used to give introduced ourselves <laughs> on the West I mean, Coast? We've got. Oh my god! Oh my yes. God. <laughs> Wow, I can't believe we stopped. Oh my what god. What a throwback. Oh god. That actually was something that needed to die. <laughs> <laughs> That's vintage now. Yeah, yeah maybe it's going it's, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to cycle back in eventually. If I wear, I my hair is almost long enough for a beehive. So I could wear a beehive and then we could bring back the oh my vintage. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> I like the one you think Just... vintage, you think beehive hairdo. Also. <laughs> I like I like that you think that you have enough hair for a beehive. Yeah. Like that takes years of commitment. <laughs> yeah, or laziness. I'm willing to believe that I can get there through laziness. But uh I mean you you can be committed to laziness, but it ta- it still takes years. Oh, that's actually like a really beautiful slogan that I want on my wall. Like What is it? I'll paint it on your wall in your office. You can committed, be committed to, laziness. to laziness or or maybe you change it slightly to make it slightly more hopeful like, you know, uh laziness done consistently is still consistency or something like that you so know? what we need is like one of those really bland landscape photos with like maybe like a giraffe or something you know like and then we just with a black border yeah, and then black border and then, yeah and then, but if it was me i would do a draft picture from last of us if we're gonna well, do yeah that's way cooler but yeah i but then yeah, but you're be talking like, about laziness how dare you put yeah that's not really that's a high quality game with a low quality slogan now yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that would be a really strange, you know, like how like you put stiff stuff in your house just so that like, I mean, it's for you, but then someone comes over and then like you're just hovering. Next, I mean, everyone does this, right? This is standard. We just hover next to them and sort of like look inquisitively as they look at the thing and you just wait for the question and then you give them your paragraph that you've written about it. That would be a very <laughs> strange paragraph. Like, well, there's this game called Last of Us. They're like, cool, I already don't understand that. You're like, well, okay, this will this will take about nine hours of podcast for us to get through. But if <laughs> but once we do that, then I think I can tell you about why this slogan doesn't apply and juxtaposition is what makes comedy funny sometimes. You know? Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they're like, cool. Yeah. So never go into your house for drinks again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how we lose <laughs> friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. So that was a tangent. Do we even talk about Among Us now a little bit before we jump in? Or what do you guys Do we think? even so, introduce so ourselves? We still haven't box. done that. So nobody knows what this podcast Sorry. is, who you people so, are. So James here, uh, context for McCoy's comment. Before we started recording, we were talking about the Among Us, which is the current hot thing in um, gaming content creation. Mm, true, true. Um, it's a game about deceiving your friends, kind of like mafia or like werewolf i guess is like the same i don't know about that game 
Uh, we don't play that on the East Coast. Um, <laughs> and, um, this is why we need to introduce by coast. <laughs> so it's like it's finally I guess, relevant. <laughs> I guess Secret Hitler is a board game, card game version of this, um, mm-hmm. with an edgier title. Dude, um, so edgy. Someone brought that over and was like, "Yo." Someone brought that. Gabe brought that over. Yeah, and that was doesn't like, surprise me. Yo, here you go. And I was like, coming from you, this is concerning. Dude, and not only that, but we literally had like a political discussion <laughs> over that about this because there was some like kids that had just they were like in junior year of, of uh, college at the time that were there. They were like friends of ours from mm-hmm. high school, but from a younger grade. And it was like, oh, this is not what I had in mind when I said let's come over and play card games. <laughs> we're and having then you like get a political a discussion over the explanation game. of what a piece of art was and. Yeah, well, okay, no. They've never that's, been back. That's true. That's true. They have never been back, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> was it because of what was on your walls? Yeah, no. I think it's because... A lot of people find the Dark Souls poster offensive. Yeah, it's so tall, <laughs> you know? But um, Wait, it's just the size that makes it offensive? <laughs> it's the it's the just Does nakedness it of all the characters. Does it say you died on it? <laughs> yeah, we actually have a custom piece of Dark Souls art that's just all of the um, fire keepers, but they're all in the nude. Oh, yeah. That's... I commissioned it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's just what, what? happens. Really? No. 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 Oh. No. We actually have also, a Also, who Dark are the Souls fire poster. keepers? <laughs> Aren't those what those ladies are called? I don't actually know if there's multiple I don't know. I've never one. played the game. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, the fire You've keeper. You've never played the game? No. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true to life. Um, I feel okay. like we've really gone off on a So hold on, hold on, hold on. I know we're tangenting really hard and we're spiraling out of control, but people are laughing, so maybe it's good content, but... Probably not. I do think <laughs> we should at least hit up Elena's a guest here today. Hello. Hey. Nice. She's back. Yay. 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 I'm no longer the only female. Yay. Yay. <laughs> As you guys say yay And everyone's going to confuse our voices, because apparently we sound very similar to a lot of people. Dude, that's crazy. I think you guys sound nothing alike. See, yeah. that's what I think as well. See, that's what I think as well. Me too. Take that, everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Take that, fuck, new fuck listener. You listeners. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I have no intention to be mean. I just have never heard these people before. Do you guys ever like consider? No, I know it's bold, but like consider saying your podcast name as part of the intro. Okay. Of, like. Okay, that follows us down a line of thinking of should we say the game name yes, in the podcast should, episode? Yes. But they also clicked the podcast episode. I mean, it might autoplay to their oh, friends playing it in their car or they're hearing it. Like, Dude. Maybe maybe we're really popular in like record stores or something and people are just playing it over Dude, the airwaves how and someone's like, yo, be? I really wish I knew what this <laughs> podcast is, but they never say their fucking title. Dude, that's like, how yeah. fucking sad is that? That's like if you get if something gets popular in the indie scene because it's too old or something. Like like how unfortunate is like, dude, actually we have this insanely popular cult following amongst record stores, but the problem is there's only five in no, the man. country. Records are the new thing. We Born saw the there, wrong were, era. there were more records sold last year than there were CDs. Yeah, but that's yeah, but that's I mean, that's because CDs suck, right? No, CDs I mean, are extremely dead, but you know. And there was more music streamed on Spotify and compl- uh, creators uh, complaining about their money on Twitter. I also feel like if, you, know, yeah. you guys should just take the listeners that you get. You know, if they're in record stores, you should welcome them with open arms. I don't think you're I in a place to be I completely agree. Oh, we're oh, I, we're for welcome. one, am very proud of our record store listeners. Um, <laughs> you guys are all gorgeous. Yeah. Um, no, no. Listen, and, de- and have very fine taste. Yes. Oh, uh, clearly. Um, but the thing is, it's not yeah. that we don't welcome them. I just would pose that maybe we shouldn't 
cater to them <laughs> exactly. I don't think it's outrageous to still say the podcast name and the game that you are playing. Okay. And I agree with Elena on this. More context. We, oh, there's Zoe on this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm hi. trying to finish this podcast. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> hi, it's me. You know, always, always push to the side. It's fine. It's fine. No, we're fine. But yes, we are the Tyranny of Thumbs Gaming co- podcast where we play a game each week and then we talk about it. Oh, do you remember? So that's another throwback. She's got the full intro. Yeah. You She's should got the throwback. She should do that every week. And what game did we play this week, Zoe? This week, we did a the first game in a two-week gaming block that I have curated uh, of walking simulators finally after nine months uh and yeah we played uh what remains of edith finch this week which is a game that i was really excited to play it's been sitting in my library for god knows how long and i just haven't played it because i wanted to play it for the first time on the podcast mm. and i finally have my moment mm. and, and it was I a glorious ready moment, to shine mm. oh hell yeah <laughs> Okay, well, feel free to shine. I guess we're, are we there? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, we're probably, we're, we'll probably just roll into it for sure. Okay. I know All we right. want to talk yeah. about Among Us, though. We keep on bringing up Among Us, and then, and then we just, just dancing away from it. Peter out of it. I know, and all of our listeners God in the it. record stores are like, yo, I'm about to, like, I really want to hear this part. Yeah, Among Us is really yeah. popular among record stores as well. I hear about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh. I was just going to say that I'm really enjoying um, watching some streamers who are like uh strategy game players play because they're like really good at it uh and i think that it would be a terrible podcast game because you need (laughs) 10 people first of all oh um is it online play or do you have to curate it is online play but okay from what i've seen on reddit uh online play is a garbage fire so it's Um, best to have 10 friends yeah well that you yeah. can't play that then. and and you want it on comms uh and then and like but the thing is everybody uses discord for comms so you need like special rules yeah. like you need to like e- there are different phases to the game like everybody goes and completes tasks and the killers go out and kill people during this time and then when somebody reports a body or calls a um emergency meeting everybody gets together um in one room automatically and um, talks and then votes out someone or chooses to skip. Um, And so people will like mute and mute themselves for completing tasks and then unmute to talk unless you die, in which case you can't unmute yourself. But it seems like you really need a lot of people that are dedicated to not cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, definitely. But, but you know, you can, um, police it i mean it, it's on good faith it's actually really interesting because uh my first exposure to this was watching like basically some they're, they're not quite let's players they're more like let me show you the game like people play the game and they were just talking in the middle of the game and it was just like you i think you missed this one <laughs> like i think you <laughs> i hate to say it and, like i know you need you have this compulsion to riff and stuff but like i think you need to shut the fuck up especially because when you actually like so you know the emergency meeting gets called or whatever or or someone finds a body it's just the explosion of excitement where you know eight people i guess cuz like one's dead and probably one's 
just listening, mm-hmm. you know, but the rest are just shouting like, yo, red sus is fuck, bro. He just walked to that room and he, there's nothing to do in that room. Why was he there? He was following me around, but I had a friend and we didn't die. Like, you know, this sort of shit. So mm-hmm. I think that's what you're looking for. It's kind of the pop off of excitement and then just like accusing people and being like, dude, if you send me out the fucking air, like, I swear to God, it's the other guy. I fucking swear to God. Um, all that shit. Yeah, it seems... yeah, I've seen people having like existential crises on Twitter being like, I'm really good at this game, but I don't know if that's a good thing because that just means I'm a really good liar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say probably yeah. or actor, I suppose. Right. I feel like, you know, those things come well, is together. Is an actor just like a fancy word for liar? Now, let's put that now on that's a poster. A hot take. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put that on a poster. Um. <laughs> next to last of us for some reason (laughs) and then send it to your actor friend yeah yeah it it seems it seems interesting and fun and it's definitely one of those things where actually i think james i don't know if you said this on the podcast or before uh but i think you outlined it amazingly well where you said this is a really popular game amongst content creators because yeah obviously like it's probably also very popular too amongst people but there's sometimes a pull for a game that is just really successful because the content creators are just desperate for something like this. This is not a game that requires mechanical skill. This is not a game that requires, you know, an entry level of essentially any sort. And in in some ways, the worse you are at this game when you start, like the more fun and chaos it is. And you can take anyone literally and have them play this game. And so it's just yeah, it's you just need fun. ten people. So yeah, yeah. So if you are a content creator and you have all these other content creator. I, I hesitate to use the word friends because it oftentimes feels more like a business exchange. <laughs> you have 30,000 people who will watch you. I have 30,000 people who will watch me. We hate each other, but mm-hmm. we tolerate each other. But yeah, and then it's always like, hey, do you hang with them after? And it's like, no, no. And then they always are like, you know those friends that like, and they like, they like try to like finagle their way into the conversation, but it's basically just like, you know those friends that get you paid? <laughs> anyways but yeah like so you know those friends that you hang out with for social clout yeah exactly (laughs) those people yeah Yeah. oh that's exactly so you know it's um it's really it also showcases personality right like if you're funny or having a good time or boisterous or whatever like those internet people that everyone loves then this is another great platform i feel like for you to like go and and do all that shit and it's been it's fun so nice yeah I've been watching a lot of Hafu streaming this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Hafu, she was originally a pro World of Warcraft PvP player. Like, she won a tournament a long time ago, became a Hearthstone streamer, yep. um, met her fiance doing that, and then yep. um, moved on to other strategy games when they got bored of. Hearthstone. Yeah, she mainly does like auto chess stuff now, or like actual yeah, chess. Or like, actual yeah. chess yeah, stuff or now. actual chess. Or dude, I like. Um, she'll never hear me say this because I will never say this for a while. Yeah, no, but like I will never. I'm not someone to say things out loud, but I like in my mind was like, Hafu, I can't follow you to chess. Like, like I'm sorry, <laughs> like but I, I can't go that far. I followed you to fucking Hearthstone, and I loved every moment because actually, I I actually found her in League where I was just like, dude, she's ridiculously oh. good at this game. Hmm. Yeah. Um, like she's mechanically just good and, at everything she yeah. sets her mind mind to. It's insane. Exactly. Um, yeah, I I actually found out about her through Day Nine. Um, <laughs> she was teaching him how to play some strategy game or another. Maybe they were playing Hearthstone together. I don't remember. 
Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and uh, she's just ridiculously good at this game. Um, at Among Us, specifically? At Among Us, yeah. Really? Yeah, like, she'll just, like, just just control the entire conversation to to eke out every detail of what every person did that round and then be like, oh, okay, it's got to be the two of these three people. And you're like, oh, shit. Well, <laughs> that's the <laughs> yeah. round. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. then she's right. It's insane. Yeah. I actually do wonder. That would be novel for sure. But I actually do wonder if that's actually the way to optimize the fun in the game. Like, oh, I, yeah, that's a good point. What's the yeah. way to optimize her fun? Sure. Yeah. And, Actually, probably I mean, not. Like, <laughs> no, I think it is. I I mean, it, well, maybe. She seems like um, someone who enjoys figuring things out. Mm-hmm. Just judging yeah. from how good she appears to be at everything. Mm-hmm. And the kinds yeah. of things. Like, <laughs> if she's moving on to chess, this is a woman who enjoys a good, like, strategic Challenge. figuring out session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you guys, dude? Yep. I was thinking this the other day when I was watching uh, Jorbs. I want to call it Yorbs, but I don't think that's correct. But I also don't really no, care. Yeah, it's Jorbs. Um, oh yeah, she also plays with Jorbs. Yeah, and th- so they're they're tacticians, I guess, right? And I always, I, I just yeah. had this thought. And I, I've watched these people for so long, with, and I can't believe it occurred to me like now. Like, but it was just like, these are our generals, dude. Like, these are our military generals. Like back in the day, before you could just like not be a general and because you, could just you just play felt Hearthstone like it. for a living. Yeah, yeah. Like, th- yeah. these are our tacticians except, that are sitting there. Like, except back in the day, they didn't let women be generals, right? So Hafu would have been screwed out of that position. I guess not. Yeah, it's tough. But so I guess back in which day? Yeah, for who? It's been a couple of days. Mm-hmm. There has been a couple of days now. Yeah. I played What Remains of Edith Finch over one day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, let's just get into it. Fucking down. Let's go. Let's go. Good let's segue. fucking go. Yeah. yeah. Let, all right. Yeah, yeah. Hard so, transition. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Great. I mean, I, I'm i certainly, for one thing, I'm very interested in why Among Us has suddenly sprung up in popularity only because it started out in 2018. So it's been like, it's been out for two years, but it kind of just seems like I don't know, just some big name people start yeah. picking it up and now it's just taken the streaming community by storm. But anyway, good good for that, you know, gaming company, you know, and those game I developers. Want to address that. I'm sure that's exciting. Oh, but just to like, clarify, really not quickly. the company, that gaming company, which I believe is a real company. Right, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just funny, um, but anyways. It, it apparently was made by like three people and they didn't have any budget for marketing. And so like somebody found it like two years later oh crazy and that's started awesome playing it with their friend that's gotta be really exciting for that's them. what we hope happens this podcast i know <laughs> yeah. we definitely don't have any budget for marketing <laughs> y'all i'm just gonna have to attend yeah. the tap man hope he finds our podcast <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah 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 <laughs> yeah but anyway so we played a game this week called uh what remains of edith finch which uh I guess it's just a kind of a weird, a weird like surface level synopsis is just you play as a girl named Edith Finch who is returning to her family home uh, after she becomes the last of her family alive. Uh, She obtains a key from her mother who recently passed away and a key goes somewhere in this house and she is set off to figure out, um, you know, to unearth 
her family's secrets in this house. So this kind of uh, two-week game block, I posed it as a mystery walking simulator genre. And I mean mystery very loosely in the sense that it's just you are walking into an area with no prior knowledge of what has gone on before the game starts. Uh, and you need to unearth everything that has occurred either through context clues or looking at your environment or um, or other means of piecing together what has occurred in a place prior uh, to you arriving there. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm going to leave it at. It's It's a very interesting story and a very creative story at that in the narrative choices they've made in this game, mainly because this is a game that is all about death. Um, you know, like I said, Edith is the last remaining member of her family, and she essentially unearths the deaths of all of her family members prior to her, uh, all the way from her from her great grandmother all the way to you know her current generation with her own brothers, uh, and they they reveal these deaths in the most creative of ways. Um, but I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So before we get out that way, so. As you guys are walking up to this house, um, you know, were you immediately entranced in this world of Edith Finch, or did you need some convincing after unearthing some of these death scenes that she finds out? Hmm. You know, what captivated you about this game, if it captivated you at all? It's like, it's funny, with that setup, I want to be like, nah, it was uh, passable at best. But no, it was... um, (laughs) I mean, I think Jeez. it was fucking enthralling for sure. Like yeah. to, to me, it's like <clears throat> this game has an incredible eye for composition uh, and it immediately shows that off and never stops showing that off. And so Agreed. at least for me, that is something that catches my eye and my attention. And composition is just like, it just feels like you're looking at a photograph, even though it's something you can move around and something that you could like look around in and move around in or whatever, but it's just, they just keep drawing you to a picture, a screenshot you might want to take. And even when the game opens, right, it just like, it like has this like kind of like weird music too. I like, but did not know where to go with that Mm -hmm. music when they started Mm -hmm. it. And then Mm -hmm. like, it leads out to like the game's title, but the title isn't like attached to your screen as you might expect it, it's instead like in the world, like physically, like as if it's floating in the sky and compositionally like placed perfectly beside this like island uh, and you're on the back of a boat. And it's just like already it's just stunning. It's just like it it just has such intentionality to the way it's constructed. And that mm-hmm. takes you all the way into seeing some text which is like the narrator speaking and it's on the screen and it's in the world i should say sorry it's in the world and if you walk through it it like the letters like fly away and disappear as if you just like shattered through them it's just it's just so captivating in that way um and i don't think it stops do you think it stops james like i mean too for me it was just like a fucking roller coaster at least of captivation oh i i totally agree yeah no this game um did not it didn't take much to intrigue me mm-hmm. uh, to want to see what happens. Um, <clears throat> definitely. I think um, 
first of all, the house that you're going to looks bonkers. It's yeah. so cool. It's like, it's like Dr. Seuss shot. or something. So ridiculous. Yeah, well, then to like that shot that you get as you are walking, like the first time you see it, you're up on the hill sort of looking down. Um, and you see it as like this, it's framed by um, forest and you're in this big, beautiful, wet, like, or like Oregon, Washington, uh, or Orcas Island, which is an island off the coast of Washington State. Yeah, in Puget Sound or something like yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. in that area. So, yeah. anyways, like this very lush, foresty kind of thing, and then you see this like crazy mm-hmm. house. It's like it's just super tall and twi- kind of ni- twisty and weird yeah. and sticking out everywhere. And you're like, what the fuck is that? So it's, yeah, it's like a Franken Franken house is yes. how I would like yes. to describe yes. it. Where it's just, yeah. it's got all these additions that are just kind of tacked onto it, spiraling up into the sky in this like hodgepodge. Like yeah. that doesn't look construction safe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, and it definitely that, that don't pass code. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like the house is like a treehouse addition, but just yeah. continued on top yeah. of itself. And one of the first lines they say is like, you know. I don't exactly remember the exact line, but it's something along the lines of like, I just thought it was normal that there was a house like this where you just couldn't go into most of the rooms. And you're like, you can't mm. go into the most of the rooms of this fucking house? Like, this is crazy. Um, and then also, like, one of the first things that she says is, I always, like, I was always uncomfortable in the house mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. but I And I didn't have the word to to like words to describe it but now i do it's like fear i was afraid of this house yeah and it's like what you were afraid of the house that you grew yeah. up in yeah well, and then that, you look yeah. up and you're like oh wait because you were gonna die if you walked outside right yeah <laughs> no, and, yes and also you've definitely. already like you've walked that's past that's your first posters. impression yeah mm-hmm. yes yeah this okay game also like, good job yes. of like sowing small seeds of like well that's pretty weird you know because i think on her walk and, down she's like oh yeah i yeah. haven't been back since my brother's funeral and then you're like okay since my brother lewis's funeral she yeah. says yeah, yeah, yeah. since my brother lewis's funeral and, and you look at the yeah, they're missing the posters and posters, it's for a different but it's for kid. it's for milton mm-hmm. yeah exactly exactly and you're just kind of like and okay like, this is what but see this is different but see this is the beautiful contrast of this game though because i totally agree that they sow the seeds of this isn't normal uh but they also sow plenty of seeds of just absolute normalcy of the family yeah. too mm-hmm. which i love like you go in and there's like dishes and like chinese food or whatever like just like the way that house feels and the way the objects are so relatable like it just felt like they modeled everything i can possibly remember from my childhood down to like the fucking chairs in my classroom like it just uh and flip books and just all these sorts of it's like everything like that felt so normal even though like obviously i didn't live in a crazy weird house like this but i just like it just felt like oh i can totally see a family that has books everywhere like this that has pictures all over the place of their stuff and you know it just it's so it's that real contrast between this is a totally normal family, and this is not a normal family at all. Um, that's just so. When did exciting. you realize that they were loaded? Yeah, they're pro- Once probably. Once you see the house. Well, they could have afforded yeah. a real contractor <laughs> if they were really loaded. <laughs> but yeah, no, I did have a, like a very adult didn't. moment playing that game where I realized that like everyone gets their own room and they just build them on. But all these rooms are like pretty fantastic, and you're just kind of like man these people are rich like how can they afford that yeah. like every time a baby I mean, is born you build them like a, a new addition to your home like that i was like 
these right. people have money. But it's just like it's just the way that they approach that that I think is lovely. Like they, it's not just that everyone gets their own new room. Uh, like Astros, I think one person like shared a room, but whatever. Okay. Um, but like they all get these like new rooms, but it's because when someone dies, they like leave their room forever to like as a as a, like a as memorial. a memorial. Yeah, memorial to them. Uh, yeah. and, and right. So that's like the first like weird thing I think that you get when you get into this house. Mm-hmm. You 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 know, you you explore, you see the Chinese food, you see books all over the place. For the most part, it looks like a normal house. Yeah, I feel like and it's then eccentric. I think you approach like you know yeah, it's, they're an it's eccentric family, but you don't know like the root the extent that that's gonna be. Exactly. Until you approach the library. So you come up to this cocked up a sealed door with a peephole in it that you peep inside and all she says is like you know uh my my mom uh sealed up all the doors after milton disappeared um of course that didn't stop uh well she said i think she said all the rooms or something like that because the library wasn't necessarily a bedroom in itself but that's true uh but she says yeah my mom sealed up all the doors after milton disappeared Grandma Edie retaliated by drilling peepholes on the door. So you're just like, this is odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very yeah. odd. <laughs> and then, and, and of course, this, this story takes place in 2016. Um, and so you go upstairs and you see more sealed up doors. And I think the one where it kind of started to feel eerie to me, I think the first room I ever peered in was Molly's bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I peered in and she said, you know, Molly, Molly was 10 when she passed away, you know, it's weird to think that I'm staring in, like, I I took a time capsule back, you know, looking into Molly's room, and you Mm -hmm. realize later that Molly died in 1947, but so that was the first time it was kind of eerie for me, because it was this child's bedroom, but not even a child who recently died, where the room is pretty much somewhat untouched, save for like clearly great grandma Edie's like own personal touches in the room but uh definitely it just felt weird that i'm just like wow that room has been like this since 47 holy cow mm-hmm. like that that's i don't know i yeah. get chills thinking about that well yeah um, and as you walk around that yeah. floor like you can peer into molly's room and then you like can walk around and peer into a couple more rooms and they all have their birthdays and death dates on them and you're like okay this is this is kind of creepy and weird that there are just all these rooms here but they're all for people who died in like the 40s 50 like you know you can just you know they're all dead people's rooms you're like okay strange family (laughs) yeah slightly although like again like very relatable though too like it's it's felt so personal all of their rooms and um I will say I love that you look through them through the people and the way the people's graphics are. It's very uh, hard to see and it's distorted or whatever, mm-hmm. but you kind of get the idea a little. But when you actually get into a room for the first time, it's like, oh, I've ne- you know, getting into these rooms is crazy. It's like entering a painting. And it really felt like that, like going mm-hmm. from the people to actually seeing the room and walking around mm-hmm. and looking at all the objects and seeing what you couldn't see before because you couldn't quite like peter that that hard right or hard left that you wanted to oh it's powerful like i dude every right. single one of these rooms is a powerful thing to be in and it's mm-hmm. and usually there it's a powerful thing to get to via climbing through some crazy like hole in the wall or some through someone's dresser or god it's just yeah. like 
it the whole yeah. experience of like crawling on your knees to get into someone's room and then like the excitement of someone's room is just is so powerful and what i love about this game specifically is that like it feels to me exactly like going through the the cupboard or whatever to get to narnia but narnia is like reality that's what's so beautiful about it like like if you think of um tacoma i think is what i'm trying to say it's like they did an amazing job at modeling all of these things from the future that don't exist but in this game they get did an amazing job of modeling all the things from our world that do exist that do evoke memories of like the past and of my childhood or whatever to me and so it's it was fantastical and amazing just like narnia is but by being completely real mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. is awesome right well yeah I think and so like oh, go ahead sorry so <clears throat> usually i would i when it comes to narrative games i usually don't like talking about them in chronological order but i feel like for this game it's warranted to talk about the re the revealing of this tale in the chronological order that we experience each person's death um only because each story itself is very self-contained in how mm -hmm. you experience it uh and how you learn about it um but then also kind of helps unravel these thought processes as you go as you go through and more things you know start getting revealed um and so I kind of just want to start off because I find it very bold that the first death they have you experience is Molly's death mm -hmm. um, in probably one of the most bizarre ways, perhaps. Like, I certainly Don't you get into it. Walter's room first? Well, you get into Walter's room, sure. But you go through Walter's room to get to Molly's room. And Molly's is the first death. <clears throat> that you find out about uh right okay yeah and molly's death is experienced through edith reading a journal entry from molly back in december 1947 um and in the journal entry molly describes that you know great grandma edie her mother uh told her to go to bed without any dinner and she was really hungry and what I love that this game does is this game does a lot of subverting expectations in the most bizarre yet common, like the kind of sensical matters, if that makes sense. Like for me, you know, Molly's Edith begins to read this journal entry and then suddenly you as the player are warped into first person perspective of Molly back in 1947. Mm -hmm. And Molly is reciting her decisions that you as the player then go and execute on. So Molly's super hungry and you have Molly go about the room. She eats some disgusting things like she eats <laughs> a stale gerbil carrot. She thinks about eating her goldfish and doesn't actually, but decides not to eat the goldfish because, you know, he, he's got to live. But she downs a tube of toothpaste and then she eats some mistletoe or holly berries. Off I of thought the they were like fake I was, I, yeah, be. I say it's unclear whether they're real or fake, but it's pretty gross either way. Like red berries. Although off of really, some that holly tube of the... toothpaste really got me. Oh, right, yeah. that was, you yeah. don't have to <laughs> eat that. I only found that on the second time through. But 
Yeah, you can skip it, but that was like a visceral reaction. Yeah. Right. You're like, this isn't, she isn't well. Also, just quick note, it's she's reciting it, which you said, but but she is not, is notably, or I mean, I don't really know, but at least it's a convincing performance, but it didn't feel like a 45-year-old playing a kid here. It felt like a kid read this. And in all the beauties of the way kids speak and don't speak, you know, like, just like, just like not, it's so genuine the way it's mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's good read. it's good kid writing too like it totally makes sense it, it, like i don't know i mean a lot of things right. in this game like really resonate as what they want them to yeah. but like yeah it's really it's like really it sounds like a child mm-hmm. in the writing yeah. and the, in the delivery mm-hmm. which exactly. and it, I, it's I wouldn't necessarily closer. say is true about all of the stories there were a couple of things where i was like you don't feel 12 to me mm-hmm. Uh, about other people but about molly it was i mean about most of them they were very accurate to me well and i mm-hmm. think it makes molly's story interesting too because molly's story is so it's the first one that you hit and it like think like zoe you were saying and getting to it's like it's so it's bizarre and it's like yeah. it's very fantastical and so it's kind of a perfect start of like is this real like what's happening here because it's a child and new kids have these imaginations and you aren't you aren't really sure what's going on um, but yeah, it's just, it's a bizarre and fantastical story and it has some really like yeah. surreal moments in it where you're like, what the fuck is this game? Well, speaking of that. Well, I mean- exactly. Because like, there's, like I was saying, there's that subverting expectations. Cause you know, you're going around eating all this stuff and then you see a bird outside the window. Molly kind of pushes open the window and in my head I'm going, oh, yeah. she went to reach for a bird and she fell to her death. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happens. Instead, Molly says, and then I became a cat. And suddenly, your first-person perspective sprouts these cat legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you are suddenly yeah. prowling around these tree trunks or tree branches just hunting after this bird. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? Like, I'm I'm a cat? Like, excuse me? <laughs> like, what yeah. is, where is this <laughs> I know, at? and I think at some point during this, I turned to McCoy and I was like, you know, if it's just going to go like, like um supernatural i'm kind of out i was like i was really into this when it was like a a real a real mystery story but if it's gonna be like all magic and shit i'm like i'm not as interested in that and mccoy was like well i think it's unclear whether this is real or not and i was like oh yeah that makes sense but it it goes to a very like mystical magical you're a cat and then you catch the bird and eat it and then you transform into an owl yeah and you're just like okay so so it's almost like Yes. Okay. Yes. I hear what you're saying. And it is. But the word that I would actually use to describe it that I only see now is a very imaginary place. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it ties itself Mm. together is that it's not just like mystical, like, bro, there's magic, yo. It's like imagination and wonder. Yeah. It feels like a little girl imagining things, but then you're kind of left. uh, Maybe it jumps too far ahead, but then you're left with like, okay, but then what did happen to her? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which there are theories, which we can get to. But one thing, if there's thing. one yeah. complaint I have about this section is the fucking shark. How could you complain about that? Falling down, down, bro, down the bro. mountain. No, that's not a complaint. And then I no. turned into a shark. Wait, yeah, that shark. fell on the side of the a mountain. With this noise it like, is <laughs> the trolliest. Too, well, that's it's because it's so early in their game. You're like, because yeah. you had this really magical <clears throat> beginning, right? Where the world is super like meticulously put together and they're all these knickknacks and it's really mysterious and it's super real and then all of a sudden you're this little girl who's like 
turning into animals. And then you're this shark that is just in the trolliest way imaginable, yeah. flapping down the side of a mountain. And yeah, you're like, real nonsense shit. I don't understand what's happening. In pure like, what's physics happening. simulator yes. style yes. too. It's yes. like. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you have like one control, which is like click, which is like flail and kind of bounce around <laughs> yeah. on the trees yeah. and that's yourself. all you have i do yes. think that it's jarring as funny as i thought it was and yeah. it's like i was immediately like grabbing for my phone being like we gotta record this shit this is hilarious but yeah. um yeah it is a jarring experience yeah i think so but yeah. like okay i could see, oh well i guess i could see it being jarring but i think it's like it's like to me it was like another example of this game just saying perhaps like in a really intense and really loud way so loud that it was jarring to people but just saying like you're not gonna predict this you're not gonna like understand where this is going before we go there and you're not gonna be like comfortable on a narrative arc you've heard a million times but with different names Mm -hmm. like you have no idea what the fuck is going on so pay attention Mm -hmm. and i could totally see why that would (laughs) oust people out of whatever reality they were in because it's just it's just it's just comical. It's just comical. It's the trolliest yeah. thing ever. But but it actually fits. And then really you go well. and eat a seal. Yeah. Yeah, which is a little bit trauma. And that, the other thing is the <clears throat> eating scenes in this are like some, you know, they're icky. Yeah. But yeah, the the first person perspective of swallowing down a rabbit as the owl, I was like, yeah. Eh, and the bone like the this. bone crunching sounds they really nailed, and they're like pretty <laughs> gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, and it kind of gets a little more fantastical because then as a yeah, after a shark you hunt down a seal and then you turn to the sea monster who then you kind of inchworm your way onto this boat and gobble up three human beings. Um in somewhat of a like it's it's not gory whatsoever. It's just kind of more it's it's more again that kind of like childlike fantastical element of just like you just suck up a guy and like you grab him by the leg and he like you know just nopes out of sight um and so yeah you're you're the sea monster you you eat these three people and then suddenly uh molly starts narrating how the sea monster wants to feed and it smells something delicious and you go through these pipes and you come up through a toilet and you realize like as as the sea monster, you are back in Molly's room, to which then you as the sea monster crawl under Molly's bed where she then writes that, you know, it's it's waiting for me to fall asleep. It needs to feed and I will be delicious. Um, delicious. I know. It's such a creepy line. McCoy and I just mm. played the beginning of this one more time just to, like, get back into the mood. <clears throat> and I was like, like that is the creep. It's the creepiest fucking line for a 10-year-old girl to leave as the last journal entry before she dies somehow. But it's awesome. Ugh. No, but see, it's also <laughs> awesome. Like, I don't even, yeah, like, when I was 10, I was writing shit like that. Maybe that was just me. But, like, it's just, like, that's just, it's such an epic way to end your diary. I totally feel it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Very true. Yeah. There also um, is. So, yeah, then there's that question of, you know, what exactly happened to Molly. Because that's all you get. Yeah, in then terms you're done. of you're Molly's out. death. Mm-hmm. Yep. Your your back is Edith. You kind of set down the diary. Edith herself doesn't do like any verbal confirmation. Uh instead she kind of tells this through narration where she's just like, I'm not sure how much I believed all that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm but sure it was Grandma Edith. Days would've. before Molly died, right? I feel like I remember it saying that like this was literally days before she died. 
the journal ant- entry was. Yeah. No, I would. I never. Hmm. I never. Like. I guess I never understood if it was yeah. literally like the day she died or if it was. I not. I don't know. I thought it was pretty close. I I don't know. Um. I don't it was remember the same why month, I thought at that. At least I seem to recall. Like it was December of. But yeah, I, I guess I don't know, James. I don't know the exact. Maybe day. that's maybe that's why because it was month. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty close to her death, so. Right, so there's there's um, a lot of theories as to what might have happened. Like there are theories that you know she hallucinated because she downed a bunch of poisonous things that you're not supposed to eat, mm-hmm. uh, and so maybe she hallucinated and just died after ingesting all that stuff. Uh, there's another theory that um, she was actually suffering through scarlet fever. That's my theory. And uh, mm. yeah, this she's was hungry. just her kind of her fever dreams that she's having oh, um, as she's suffering oh. through scarlet fever. I didn't get that at all, but that's mm. seems she seems sick. Yeah, huh. I think another theory mm. that's reasonable. I'm not saying it's like online and people are like supporting it in any way. Is 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 actually that she did climb up that tree and fall where the cat scene ends? Um, I think that's not yeah. That's kind of what I thought. When she's like, you know, my dad told me not to try, climb up this tree. And so you could see that. Although, you know, many of the other scenes do appear to end directly on the point of death. Like, you know, later this, the guy on the swing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I could see why you would maybe make the argument that that doesn't make any sense. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility there was actually a fall also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. Mm. And so, yeah. So that that is like the first death that you ever encounter. It's so like – and so that's kind of how you know you're like – Oh man, buckle up! Like <laughs> we're in for a ride here. So maybe um, I thought that um, that she jumped out of her window or something like that because she was hungry some other time because of my family story of my grandmother jumping out of the window of the second floor bathroom when she was like seven. Wow. Um, so that was just a thing in my head. Her mom like locked her in the bathroom because she was being naughty. Uh, and they had guests over. And so she wanted to go play with her friends and jumped out of the window. <laughs> Okay. So that, that's like the, the funny thing right because like i'm i was looking online and all these people are like oh well like it's it's cruel that the mom just locked her in her bedroom and i'm just like it's the 40s really? for one thing like it was kind of common to lock yeah. kids into rooms and be like i'm not letting you out until you behave <laughs> like, yeah but yeah so i guess we can kind of move on so Edith then she doesn't exit through the bedroom door because, like I said, the doors are sealed. So Edith is now walking out out of Molly's bedroom window and crawling along the roof to get to Calvin and Sam's room. Um, and so all we know about Calvin and Sam at this point are that they were twins uh, and that Sam had to share a room with his dead brother until he moved out mm-hmm. at 18. Uh, yeah. Which is creepy enough as it is. So you're like, oh boy, what what happened to Calvin? Sam um, being Edith's grandfather. Edith's <clears throat> grandmother, great grandma Edie's son. Yes. So there's there's a bunch Edith's, of Ediths in this. <laughs> Edith's great grandmother's son. Yes. <laughs> also her grandfather. Or, yeah, it's Edith's grandpa Sam. Yeah. Exactly, her grandfather. Yeah. 
Oh, I've got a family right. tree up, so you guys, I'm gonna post that real quick so people can. <laughs> yeah, this is just the menu. That screen. tree is not super helpful. It's kind of helpful to figure okay, out right. relationships. Some, yeah, yeah it's, it's like, somewhat. It's, it's, it's doesn't follow a typical helpful. family tree. That's for sure. Okay. Um, okay. No, it doesn't. And yeah, so then again, you get this like nice visual storytelling though, because you get you get into their bedroom, you see one side was clearly Sam's side of the room, and they make it very visibly clear that Sam had no personality other than he was military. But I understand why they did that. Like, so Sam's side of the room is just all military stuff, all photography stuff. And then the other side of the room is still this kind of frozen in time roped off well for one thing calvin's side of the room is roped off yeah, it has like a sam side like a, one of those ve- those red velvet ropes like you see at like fancy events along like a red carpet it's got mm-hmm. one of those yeah or like museum yeah. like a museum like, yeah, like exactly a museum you see like separating yeah. an attraction from the people so roped off is calvin's side of the room which is just frozen in time in this 11 year old's dream so it's all fantastical it's all space it's all uh martians and space cops and all that stuff um and so i think that was what kind of like drew me into this particular section of the room also because like you can see how one side of the room just kind of moved on and matured while the other side was just stuck like memorialized in infancy um, particularly the cool thing about Calvin and Sam's room is they have these like forts mm-hmm. with a drawbridge or like the a little rope bridge mm-hmm. that you could like walk across and sit in a little tree house of sorts. Mm-hmm. And like you can see on Sam's side of the room because he grew up, like he took down the drawbridge and, you know, everything is just all piled up with books and with, you know, all sorts of more adult themed Adult themed in the sense of like textbooks. <laughs> yeah, just pornography um, just everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he was 18. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then like, you know, Cal- Calvin's side is still all, you know, it's all intact that way. Um, Dude, though. Just, so just, Calvin's. I'm yeah. sorry. Just imagine, though. Like, it, it kind of fits. Like if you sit there and go like, look at this fucking dude's room. Am I really going to like clear this shit out? Like, am I really going to take down all of his space stuff that even ends mm-hmm. in like a spaceship? that he would like chill at like am i really gonna take all that down i mean i don't know it's creepy as hell but like also fuck like you could see how someone one time someplace could become paralyzed with that decision and then yeah, it became I think that's i don't know if it's frequent but i feel like that's a thing that i have heard about parents leaving kids rooms or just leave it you know leaving people's things but this family has like a i don't know maybe somewhat extreme tradition of like their, you know, their spaces become their memorials, like little museums of them. Yeah. Of course, they also have, like, the memorial stuff outside. <laughs> yeah, they also have an actual cemetery <laughs> that you get to later. Yeah. But, but dude, yeah. like, the, the spaceship in this guy's room in particular is really expressive of they do. It's not um claustrophobia because it doesn't feel like that. Mm-hmm. You know, claustrophobia is like when you're walk shimmying through a broken hotel in last of us and you feel like they're gonna fucking jump you yeah that's claustrophobia but this is like you crawl under something and it just feels like a space that a kid could feel safe in you know it doesn't it's Mm -hmm. it's definitely small yeah but you're like dude if i was a fucking kid and i had a spaceship with like kick pedals and shit i'd probably chill here like this (laughs) yeah this seems pretty legit well, I think too. That's right, you are of... walking through this as Edith, who's eighteen, yeah. when she's walking also. Through did this. you notice that that um the 
uh, on Sam's side, they removed the like bridge above the mm-hmm. bed because it got yeah. too big. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. yep. That's awesome. What a de- the, the details in this game are insane. That's I mean, what I was gonna yeah. say. Like, I feel like this. So, well, all the rooms are such a good the example. Bridge, yeah. yeah. Of like how meticulously everything has been put together in this this game where like you never walk around you're like oh yeah there's another copy pasted barrel or like what you never feel like they're they have assets they're using a bunch of different times like everything feels except for the books except for the books maybe but even the books i think they gave enough character a lot of titles um but like every room that you walk into is totally individual and like mccoy was saying earlier like has all the things that you would expect those rooms to have and that you remember and they're all like individually made and super unique and like in the you know they're just each environment in this game is so evocative and so full that they do it feels very cluttered and very maybe claustrophobic like if you're a neat person mm-hmm. this house is like a lot oh well um, certainly <laughs> but it also feels super real and super you just want to like, go look around at everything because it's all different and it's all interesting and it's all these little clues about these people's lives. So so I have a point here that I think is kind of silly, but it's like actually really true. And it's like, because I'm thinking a lot about this game in the context of, yeah, you know, it's been a long time since we've played a walking simulator and mm-hmm. what are walking simulators strong at? And also, you know, how can a walking simulator, jo- the genre, keep innovating on itself so hard? Like, mm-hmm. I swear it's like doing backflips all over fucking first person shooters. Like, it's not even funny. Um, but like the thing is, why can they do this level of detail? And it's going to sound so straightforward and and almost stupid, but it's like, it's because they make you walk through it. Like that you don't have to go far. It's not an open world game. Yeah. You don't run miles. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You run feet, but in those feet, it's so incredibly detailed and dense. You don't run at all. Exactly. You can't run in this game. Exactly. So literally the term walking simulator is trying to evoke to you why they're able to put so much detail into this world because they can be sure you're not gonna just miss it um and sort of add to that they do also in these areas pull your camera like if you're looking away like you walk into the dining room and then you're looking away from the dining room because like I've, I've said this before, but yeah, you walk into the dining room and there's a hard left and a hard right. So I start freaking out. Yeah, like, McCoy's like checking, like <laughs> peeking corners. <laughs> so I'm peeking hard left and the and the narrator starts talking and I'm thinking to myself, fuck, I'm missing some beautiful text being uh, written somewhere. I don't know. Is it on the plates? Is it on the whatever? And it it, it takes your camera and, and nudges you towards the composition and pushes you towards mm-hmm. it. And at first I was like, how dare yeah. you? But I was also like, no, thank thank you, though. Because it's going to sh- make sure I can see what I need to see. And ultimately, it's me and the game working together to show me the things I need to see that it has to show. So it works really, really well in that way. So it's a really, really slow movement speed. There's no running at all. There's no sprinting or whatever. And they show you what they want you to see. I mean, of course, there's stuff to miss, but they show you the big key stuff. And so it's just so incredibly detailed as a result of that. It's it's insane. Like, yeah. it is insane. It's really cool. Oh my god. And everything is one to one. It feels like nothing feels like too big or too small. And there's just so much normal stuff like wine bottles and you know, I don't even know. Yeah, like dishes and cooking cookbooks and fucking TVs and you know, a game controller that's laid out there and the cable is just sort of like draping down from the like the foot rest all the way down to the console itself and like the cables that connect the console to that. It's just everything just 
is there as you would expect it in a way that it's like it's just such a celebration of the details oh delightful yeah. oh my god it's okay so sorry do you want to just keep walking us through I just yeah sorry i felt small... like we were gonna have to get to that oh, tangent no. oh, at no. some I point because it is so <laughs> it's so well done well, and we'll probably be yeah. pointing out a lot of visual clues in you know the coming scenes as well mm-hmm. um so yeah thank you for bringing that up but Okay, so yeah, so the Calvin's death is told through a, a, it's not a letter, but it's kind of like a, a, a eulogy from his brother Sam uh, called, you know, The Day My Brother Learned to Fly. Mm-hmm. And you take perspective as Calvin, who is on this swing, and what I loved about this particular, I, I feel weird saying what I loved about this, <laughs> this death yeah, of this yeah. young child. <laughs> <That's laughs> yeah. But so like at least on mouse and keyboard, the controls where you just kind of hold down the left mouse button to pump your legs forward and then you let go to swing back. And that kind of instilled this kind of sense of childhood wonder yes. of just swinging on a swing mm-hmm. with that momentum. And the whole thing with Calvin's scene is that Calvin wanted to take his swing and be able to make a full circumference, yeah, around the world, get bro. all the way around. You want to do around <laughs> the world? That killed me, dude. This is some you real think shit, about bro. It and you're like, that's swinging. what every elementary school kid ever wants to do. You know, I well, remember, yeah. I remember in my elementary school, like trying to swing just high as possible because oh, we got to make it all the mm-hmm. way around. We got to do it. But so weren't you clip. also uh, terrified of this exact thing happening? Like this scene for me was maybe the most traumatizing of the whole game, just because like I remember that feeling. And oh, I, rem- yeah. I remember being really scared of it, yeah. and for like. Once you started getting close and, like, the 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 narration was, like, pretty clear. Like, you knew it was going to happen. For, like, most of that, I was just like, nope, 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 mm-hmm. nope, nope, nope. Just, I, <laughs> ugh. Like, that yeah. visceral feeling of, like, oh, no, I know what's happening. And I don't, I yeah. don't want to be here for this. Dude, swings were fucking awesome. I think we need to make an adult swing like i that i not in the way that you're thinking stop them. stop stop that Wait. doesn't do what i wanted to do at all you can't go around the world on that thing i mean maybe, I mean, you, maybe can, but, you can yeah but. oh boy all right uh reasonable focus um you haven't been trying hard enough yeah dude but no but seriously like dude once you get high enough and you realize that it kind of drops you. You kind of hit that drop. You remember that? You know oh, what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Yeah. Phrasing. So that's where the Frady Cat in me is like, you know what? I don't think I want to break my arm today because um, everyone else around me is breaking their arms. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm chilling. Didn't the, and Kelvin has a yeah. broken leg during this scene. So there's another thing of yeah. like you're kicking yep. with, yeah. with your good leg. So so what I would actually say is that uh, Zoe mentioned on mouse and keyboard, you click down and you get, and there's the momentum. So the, the detail of the gameplay of this is that momentum that you get back and forth. On controller, it's actually each thumbstick is a leg, and I didn't. Oh, okay. And I didn't for realize half the this. game McCoy's pumping with just the broken leg, and I didn't realize that you were doing that on purpose. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in my mind, being like, "Why is this kid only using his cast? Like, shouldn't he be using his good leg? Yeah, but this has to be so much work. But what's crazy is it's not balanced when you do only one leg, and you start to like turn as you would in a, a swing, yeah. and it starts to get like jump really? around a little bit. Yeah, totally. And so, yeah, it was it was actually like, I mean, best over programmed. Yeah, but like that's the best thing. swing simulator 2019. But because they say to their <laughs> to themselves 2016. Sure, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know what year this game. I'm came willing out. to say it's the best swing simulator ever. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> of all years. Uh, 
it's just it's because they can force you. it's not like a swing is like a mini game like i guess i could play poker in gta but i guess i could not or like bowling or something you know those like really underdeveloped games that people like always tell me they love and i'm like how could you love bowling in gta like go fly a plane um but anyways um <laughs> but like in this it's like they're gonna force you to do this and so they're gonna make it as evocative as possible of that feeling and they do such an incredible job at evoking this feeling in so many different ways that mm -hmm. i'm sure we'll get to of just feeling like a kid again and seeing the world like that and remembering those things that used to matter in the way that dude i think swinging might still matter to me honestly like i'm telling you guys <laughs> after playing this yeah dude i want to that'd be so fun i want to okay i'll probably hurt myself but i want to do the thing where you swing and then jump off no like see, that's as an adult that's how you break a leg as a kid that's how you break a leg but it's also how you fly and that's what i he never did broke here. a leg doing that yeah he died yeah well he yeah yeah, no, I listen. He did yeah. die. Which don't don't swing off of cliffs where it's not exclusively water underneath. Yes. If it is exclusively water, then you can swing off of cliffs. If it's not, don't Dude, do it. Dude, but honestly, after all the videos I've seen online, even if you're on one of those rope swings that's like, like uh, above exclusively water, I still don't think you should go for it, man. I've seen too many <laughs> instances of people oh, yeah. just like bailing yeah, out yeah, or yeah. Just whatever else or getting yeah. caught on something. No, but the thing is, like, okay. Uh, okay, the eating the rabbit is like something that might, especially if you guys are particularly keen to, you know, animals and, you know, these sorts of things, that sort of side of empathy, sure, totally. But it's not particularly graphic. No. And this was another point where I was like, we could see two, two ways in this, as he's flying yeah. through the air, right? There's two ways really that this thing yeah. fucking ends. Um, in terms of graphicness, like how much does this want to celebrate breaking someone to their death like and it doesn't no he just it's it's really it's a beautiful scene because he's swinging and you're listening to his brother read this po poem style thing eulogy i guess about how much his brother calvin wanted to fly and how once he put his mind to something he always did it and mm. it's like oh a, god i forgot about that yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah he said he wasn't gonna do this after this happened and he never did oh shit yeah yeah like he, you know, it's a it's a really beautiful, touching eulogy, and again, it's like really good kid writing. Um, it's super beautiful, and then you know, you know what's gonna happen. So if you're me, you're freaking out, being like, I don't want to see this or feel this or experience this. But then he just flies off mm -hmm. into the light, and you kind of, I think you hear like the rattling of the chain going around, you know, the swing mm -hmm. chain, but the actual death scene is very peaceful and beautiful and it's just kind of like he flies off and it ends yeah and i think that like th this scene to me comforted me a little bit about this game because i think for the, the first two you know molly's death and kelvin's death are so out there and so bizarre and so weird and you're like what is this game what's it doing and i really was like if this is a graphic death scene i don't want to play this maybe i don't know how i feel about that mm. But it was such a yeah. like, beautiful, lovely, nice experience. And I was like, cool, I feel good about that. When am I going to be a shark again, though? No. <laughs> so wait. Well, it's so. Uh, this also that game came out last year. <laughs> There's also this. This also instilled kind of a, a weird sense to me as well, though, because uh, one thing that struck me about Sam's eulogy to Calvin was just how blunt it was towards death as an 11 year old you know this is a brother talking about his twin dying at a very young age and 
I don't, I, I, I guess I've never experienced, you know, having a sibling, especially a close sibling die at a young age, but Sam is unusually blunt in his eulogy where he just says, my brother said he'd die before he'd eat another mushroom. And he did. I thought yeah. that was, and you're yes. like, whoa, yeah. like, yeah, you, you, it's, it's kind it's of both. funny. And so you're like, whoa, he's taking this well, question mark. <laughs> like Maybe. you don't quite, like, I, I think this begins to also establish this weird sense of normalcy and calm mm-hmm. that is around death in this family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I just want to point out that that was the first time that I really started to question being like, this is odd. Yes. I yeah. feel like you should be a little bit more traumatized by the so, situation, so, Sam. So it's interesting. That's a way to deal with death, though, is yeah, you know, he might be. making little jokes and celebrating celebrating the life. And it does sort of fit his personality, too. But it's it's interesting because they, they, do, they, make a, they pay a lot of words to the fact that there's Paint, painting is a talent in this family like only mm-hmm. two, i think two of them but there's a line when you get into uh the painter's room which i believe is milton mm-hmm. um but like mm-hmm. it's like you know ah oh, Edie was really happy there's another painter in the family and you see his paintings around but i think there's also another trait that goes around in this family too and i think it's writing like i think they have some writers in here too not all of them but i mm-hmm. and they have their own style but it's clear that like that is part of the lineage i think and and that's what I was mm-hmm. thinking when reading this. I was like, this is powerful. And even, by the way, reading the narrator as well. Like, she's mm-hmm. nailing it. So, um, and like yeah. I said, even a, a small sliver of writing out of Molly at the end where she just nails the delivery yeah. on the end of her journal. So It's very dramatic. Um, I also think, too, sorry, slight tangent from you, but I had something I wanted to say. Ahead. And I listened to what you said, and now I'm going to say my thing. I think that's how it goes sometimes. Um <laughs> But Good I think it's also it's bold, and I think it really sets the stage for this game that the first two scenes of the deaths of two small children, um, like, you know, Molly's yeah. 10, Kelvin's 11. It's pretty unusual that games kill kids. This game kills two kids kind of back to back, and it doesn't really kill them. And I think that, like, Molly's death is maybe a little bit more disturbing. Kelvin's death, I think just the way it's done, it's so peaceful. And Zoe, like you were saying, like Sam's, you know, Sam's eulogy is so beautiful and so kind of blunt and frank that I think it also kind of sets the player up for that same sort of like feeling because what you're about to play is a game where every single story ends with someone dying and you know that going in and you know, it ends up being... And the fact that you know it going in is makes it hit less hard. Yeah, though, for right? sure. You know? But I And I think, like, it was interesting to me that, like, this game, while it has emotional notes, and I'm not saying it's not a hard-hitting game, the actual deaths, d- to me, weren't, like, traumatizing for anybody. Oh, some of them were, bro. <laughs> I, some of them were. Okay, but, like, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. this game doesn't... Yeah. It doesn't traumatize you to the level that I feel like a game with, I mean, how many? One, two, three, four, yeah. five, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen dead characters. Yeah. Like maybe could feel. Well, it's not relishing in the idea of like, it's, you know, it's not Call of Duty, for example, where it's like we can use incredible graphics to make mm-hmm. sure that we really hurt you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's, 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 it's yeah. different than that. These are, they're poignant, but they're not like horrific or traumatizing. 
Yeah. I don't think. Although the result mm-hmm. of them right on the house and on the family and on the characters is always traumatizing and you hear about that. And an example of that, I actually think this might be a recurring segment. I'm going to open it, but I am immediately going to be out of my depth. And I think the only one who can actually continue it is Zoe. But the the second playthrough and what you noticed after having known some shit mm-hmm. segment here is really important because before you even get into the house, you can peer around the left side around the garage and look through a little hole in the fence and mm-hmm. you'll see the lake and you'll see this swing. And this swing is sitting there wrapped around the tree. Like they never undid the swing after this event mm-hmm. because they couldn't. Um, and it's just another example of this family facing death or not facing death and freezing. Um, but I'm sure, and I don't know for sure, but I'm sure there are way, way, way more references all over the fucking place um, mm. to deaths you haven't even experienced yet. But just it's just that, that level of detail. Um, Right. And I I do realize that I did miss one part before Calvin's room, which was you do go into great grandma Edie's room prior to this Hmm. to look around. Uh, Yeah, that's where you learn about the house, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You learn that the reason why or at least the family explanation as to why people are dying all the time is this 500 year old curse that is on this family and you learn that you know your your great great grandfather took his house out of norway and somehow sailed it to the west coast of washington state however that works which is also my theory that they tell a lot of tall tales in this family (laughs) Um, and, uh, you know, he, he sails his house from Norway to Orca's Island, but on the way there, a horrible storm happens and it sinks this house. Um, and her great, great grandfather, Odin dies as a result. And the surviving family members, great grandma Edie and her husband Sven, uh, survive and they, basically establish the house that you are now uh traversing mm-hmm. in um small asterisk. also in Edie's room notably you you see that she memorializes all the dead pets and yes. you know they, all the birds that are named some version of erpy like burpy <laughs> flirpy perpy uh, burpy junior <laughs> like. yeah. and and she has like a bunch of birds and then a snake <laughs> and mm-hmm. a lizard Yep. yep. Which is interesting to me. It's like you're you're setting these pets up to kill each other, huh? <laughs> well, she so also runs a small pet fighting ring. This this yeah. goes into this goes into a little bit. I, there's a lot of foreshadowing in Edie's room. I think I'll I'll explain some more later. But also notably, you find out also how uh, great grandmother Edie's husband Sven dies. Mm-hmm which is Mm. that Sven was building a dragon-themed slide in the front of the house, and as he was uh, constructing it, it broke, and he fell to his death. But the one thing that I also find jarring about this is, you know, you see his memorial in great-grandma Edie's room, but she has this headline from a newspaper saying, man killed Mm -hmm. by dragon, framed. Yeah. Uh, on her desk but not only that but then there's a photo underneath it that she has framed of sven falling to his death (laughs) it is a guy (laughs) falling off of a broken slide that she has framed and you're like 
Jesus Christ. Yeah, that sort of sick like, celebration of yeah. death. She, yeah, she has like a couple of those framed like newspaper like you know, yeah. newspaper cutouts. And it, it is odd. It is. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, by the way, later someone who also gets a picture of themselves taking one and falling yeah, that, to their death. That was a traumatizing death. I yes, like absolutely. that one. Right. Oh, my so, God. Uh, but but the, yeah. there, there are two more parts of Edie's room, though, that, I, that I'll kind of I'll, I'll yeah. make note, but then we'll table it for later. And one is in regards to there's another framed headline of somebody taking a photo of Edie in front of the house saying Edie won't go yeah. as wildfires ravage around Orca's Island. Edie refuses to leave. So we'll table that. And then the other one I want to table is a mole man living under the house. Yep. Yep. Uh, Edie did an interview about that. And all Edith, 18-year-old Edith, says about it is that mom was furious when she found out that Edith or that Edie did a interview this way. So yeah. We'll table that. Yeah. And I did want to make one um, small light correction, which is that there is a death in this room, but it's the it's Odin. Yeah, it's the it, and it's the it's that, that great, image great, picture great, thing. Great grandfather. Yeah, but it's like it's he's the like OG. It's, it's the one, but like it's but it's kind of like a death on the back of telling the story of the actual like Sven and whatever. Like yeah, it's more like okay, so you've seen two kids die and you're in this crazy house. Like yeah. what's going on? And it kind of it gives you the backstory of the family curse and sailing the house over. Yeah. And yeah. what happened yeah. to Odin yeah. and who Edie is and who all these but people are. But the only are. reason I know this is because when you beat the game, you can do this option called replay a story where mm-hmm. it just takes you immediately to the point in the house where you can start anyone's story. It beautifully does not start the story for you. It takes you to the room, which is exactly what it should do because you can mm. walk around and look and mm-hmm. see and soak up all that stuff you need to before you enter again. Um, but I was like, Odin, I, how does he die? Does Doesn't he die of... I thought it was about a house. Like at that part, it just had slipped by me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, I'm curious to check back. And I don't know what to just call this device, but another device from my fucking childhood that yeah. I can think of. It's this, it's this like rotary. The, like a photo clicker. What the fuck is that? I don't know what you call it. All I can say is on. I forget what those are View- called. Yeah. <laughs> but s- viewfinders. Viewfinders. Yeah. Viewfinders. Yeah. Yeah. And is that what it's called? Really? Yeah. Okay. Who knows? All I can tell you though is that one was masterfully programmed on controller for the trigger. Because you could like lightly uh. pull the trigger and it would like lightly move mm. and you could pull all the way and they would like click into focus. Like it was and, and rock back. And it was just it was. Oh, my God. It was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, subtle, <laughs> subtle thing there. Um, I feel like this. Yeah, this game is just filled with subtle things that are just so good. We haven't even gotten to the best deaths yet, which is a weird sentence. But. Well, take. Okay. This is going to probably be a long episode, but I will relish it because I love the conversation we're having with all these uh, these people. Um, mm. She loves death. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right, so the, the next, uh, next death that we encounter is Barbara, who dies when she is 16 years old. Um, Prior to going into Barbara's room, if you look through her peephole, all Edith says about it is that Barbara was a child actress, uh, and she was, like, the most famous Finch out of all of them. Um, It kind of looks like Barbara was, like, a child actress in, like, some campy horror film, Mm -hmm. My Friend Bigfoot, or something like that. But the point is, Barbara's known for her scream. Uh, in in these movies and so barbara's is uh interesting like again it's just this innovation with how they tell a death scene because uh barbara's is told through a kind of campy tabloidish 
comic book mm-hmm. in a way, like yeah. a Tales of the Crypt Keeper style of like, let me tell you the tale about Barbara French's death and this fucking pumpkin with a top hat and what a fucking Dark Souls character is telling us all this <laughs> shit. But um, wait for Bloodborne. <laughs> Just you wait. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, you, you basically go through these, uh, this comic book panel by panel, and soon you are controlling the characters inside the panels as Barbara's death is being uh, played out. And I have a question for James. Did you get scared? Yeah. <laughs> uh Yeah. No, I was a little bit nervous going down into the basement. Oh, yeah, I was mm-hmm. too, James. I hear you on that. I think it's again yeah. to be like, well, what is this game? Like, I mean, how, like, how is this? What, like, we about to get serial killer murdered here? Like, what's going on with this? And going to the door. Yeah. Yeah, going exactly. To the door. Going to the door. I would just make the argument that you wasn't, you weren't going down to the basement to, to be murdered. You were going down to the basement to break up with your boyfriend because who the fuck does that? <laughs> that is so not chill. Yeah, right. That is so not chill. Right. What the fuck? <laughs> I was just appalled. Yeah. So. So there's like there's a story on the radio of like th- a, a murderer just loose on this island who's he's got a hook hand um and so your boyfriend goes down into the basement cuz you hear something rattling down there and then he doesn't come back up and you're like oh fuck so you take a blunt object which is by the way your boyfriend's crutch because I guess he broke his leg or something and go down into the basement to find him. And he's just hiding in an ancient fridge, wearing a mask to scare the fuck out of you. Is it possible, James, Um, that he was actually uh, trying to play it cool? Because I think ancient fridges sometimes do lock like in a serious way if you go oh in. yeah no absolutely <laughs> so, so he's yeah like, Fuck, i'm gonna yeah. die in here and he's like wait a minute if i play it off cool if she opens this if i rattle this i could pretend like i was trying to scare her <laughs> like this could work instead of i got stuck in the fridge because <laughs> well, like, like that's not great either that's not a great fucking look like dude you checked for the axe murderer yeah in but the fridge in, in one of those in one of those your girlfriend breaks up with you, and in the other one, she's just ashamed of you for being an idiot. Yeah. I think it. I think in both, <laughs> like, she breaks up with saved you. Saved you? Well, that like, might be wait, true. Wait, so you thought the hook um, person was in there, so you stepped in to see, yeah, and it's then like, you that closed would be like the, the most door behind extreme you. Check. It's like not just like yeah. peeking a corner. That's like a full commit. Did you clear the fridge? I think so. Don't think so. Yeah. yeah. That's like that's like yeah. what, the yeah. stupidest shit yeah. that happens when you're like, uh, do we have any more olives? And I'm like, I don't think we do. And you're like, be sure. Like really check the cupboard. And I'm like, well, I'm, not, I'm looking behind <laughs> yeah. some shit. I don't think it's in check here. Check the back of the fridge. Like, we're not trying to buy another set of olives, which we are always trying to buy another set of olives. But okay. Yeah. Okay. True. 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 This comic book is awesome. I think this is where the game really kicks it up a notch. I guess so. It feels like it kicks it up a notch every yeah, single death, true. but okay, this one true. is a, a this is like the shark to me, where it's like that's a wild direction. Maybe not as quite as wild as the shark, but it's still like, whoa. Yeah, because yeah. but also like crazily accurate to the house. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what's you know? so cool about it. And you have the the music box, which you play with way back when you were just walking through the house the first time. You play with this little music box, and it's got a little text narration saying that. Um, Great Grandpa Sven. Your mom didn't want you to play it. Yeah, you weren't supposed to play with it, and Great Grandpa Sven made it for Barbara. And then as you're reading the comic book, the comic book's like, oh, yeah. And then Barbara told her jackass of a boyfriend, whatever his (laughs) name was, 
you know, if you like, yeah. if you keep turning the music box, Dick. the key pops out, and we're quite like, oh shit, let's go do that. Like, and it's mm. it's totally accurate. I will say that particular part, yeah. and maybe we'll back up us for a second after that. But that particular part is hilarious to me because it is so clearly a. If you're talking about this whole game. In like a in a in a way in like a meta way is like all these relics that you're finding. Mm-hmm. That to me was a relic of game design because they mentioned that music box to you like 19 times. They do after that, and They're you like, could just hey. tell that some <laughs> motherfucker at testing was like, "I have no idea what I'm supposed to do next. I'm loving this game, but I have no idea." And they're like, "God damn it!" Maybe it was like half the people. I mean, yeah. honestly, add another reference to the music box because I think there's a couple points in this game where I was like, and I think they. I'm sure you can miss the music box on your. When you're downstairs to begin That's with, true. Maybe you not can just know where it is or that, something, and then it just won't. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually wondering if you could turn the music box extra by knowing that you should do that, but not by progressing that far in the game, and you can't. No, it it, it stops you yeah. before uh, you can, I guess, get all the way over. Yeah. But yeah. So so there's a surprised. couple of points yeah. in this game. If there's any like criticism, but it's not criticism. It's just like it's almost like a masked compliment. Um, but it's like, there are a couple points in this game, I, I would say maybe two that I can think of where I was like, oh, I have no idea where to go exactly. Just mm-hmm. for like a second. And I always found it and it was fine. But I think the reason why that's actually a compliment is because the rest of the game is like a masterful path of just leading you through this. Despite it being, yeah. it feeling so natural and nonlinear, it is just so beautifully hurting you. Um, just with everything it can possibly do with light, with letters disintegrating in that direction or like following up a stairway or just a cable plugged in that you're just like where the fuck does that go and you follow it up a stairway and you see on the other side of a door it's just there's just so much um i do kind of want to go back it's like reverse negging what's what you just did what never mind um you know what negging is where you you like you know what I love about you, and then you say something like really <laughs> shitty about the other person. Um, you know what I hate about you? You're so amazing. Like, <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's a backhanded compliment or something. I'm trying to keep the developers, I right. guess, like yeah, yeah, in line yeah. or something. I don't um, know. But I do want to talk about this comic a little, though. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I'll talk about one something towards the end, but like, there's an amazing twist to this comic book in terms of tone right at the very end where it's like scary it was like you know it's campy and funny and then Mm -hmm. it's scary and then it's not scary anymore then it's scary again because the monsters are actually in the house and you know they're at the door or whatever and then there's this like one bizarre fucking panel where it's like the monsters are actually here for your birthday party and you're like oh it's all good and then they kill her and you're (laughs) like what the fuck (laughs) whoa um and the only thing that's left of her is her ear, which they left in the fucking in the music box. Music yeah. box, which is right. like what? It's super fucked. Up. I mean, just like Molly's death is super fucked up, and you're like, what did actually happen to this poor child? I felt the same way about Barbara's, where I was like, this is a horrifying story told yeah. in a very campy yeah. way, but like this is this is horrifying. Oh my god, how do we get this far without talking about the boyfriend's fucking comments where she's like terrified and he's like, oh Okay, I'm god. feeling the terror, which is awesome. But I'm he's like coaching her to try to get <laughs> yeah. like the proper scream out of her. Cause basically that's the whole point is that yeah. she was famous for a scream. Now a a scream that she could no longer produce, I guess, after puberty or something like that. Um, or just getting older in general. And so then 
her boyfriend's like clearly a fucking fan or something, but he wants to be a director and he's like trying to like coach out this same scream and he's like, I'm just not feeling it from you. And so he's trying to like freak her out to like get the natural scream out of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does, this does end with a scream, like a, a classic, like she should be famous for this scream, scream. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just like, God, it's such a beautiful little arc, uh, this comic. Like it, 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 it right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, yeah, like, so, like, the question of, like, what actually did happen to her, because, like, there are parts of the comic book that do actually, like, ring true, mm-hmm. like, in the comic book, um, Barbara pushes the hook man over the banister, and he crashes down to the living room below, and actually, if you go through, I know this is on my second playthrough, but if you go through the top area uh, of the, um, of the house, you notice that there are some tacked on boards hmm. patching up a part of the banister like it had huh. been crashed through. So you know, like that part, at least something. Right. Now, right. I don't actually believe if it's a hook man in general, but something did actually crash through up there. So, you know, th- there's mm. theories that, you know, it, it was the boyfriend that killed Barbara and it was just foul play. Um, you know, he accidentally pushed Barbara over the railing. Um, there's also theories that Walter might have been the one to kill Barbara when he was a kid. Hmm. And that, like... And that's the, why he locked him. Yeah, hmm. which is why, you know, he he locks himself in a bunker. Like, they, they, um, they theorize that, you know, the hook man in the comic book is actually Walter and that Barbara was somehow hallucinating that it was a hook man oh, okay. in delirium All right, let's take this. Whatnot. Let's take this further because we're just like, we're, this is a smoke circle, guys. We're going straight into these just idea farm. Okay. Is the can opener representative of his hook hand? In a sense, right? They're kind of similar tools. Think what? About it. Oh, like the can opener that Walter does every yes, morning? Yes, every Peaches? morning, right? That's kind of representative. Um, I have another theory, though, of what could happen. And I can't believe the internet hasn't figured this one out because it's obvious. How do you, how many of you guys have those friends that are like, our family's just clumsy? What if this family's just clumsy? What if Molly just fell and died? What if fucking, uh, I mean, Calvin obviously fell and died. Um, and then, like, I think, you know, Barbara could have just fallen and died. And all that was left of her was an ear. I feel like someone doesn't just, like, just happen to fall and crash through a bit. Oh, no, she leans on it. But, it, but dude, this whole house is a... Su- Honestly, okay, there should also, be more yeah, falling they seem to be, They house. seem to be self-building this house. And I don't think any of them are contractors. Bro, I, I have a friend from fucking high school that, like, had, like, one step on their house that was, like, kind of not put right. And, like, their dad, like, fell and they, like, sued the con. Like, this house is, is so far away trap. beyond that. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like one board <laughs> on a single step broke and they're like, Jesus Christ, this is unsafe. I'm like, dude, this place, someone could die here. Anyways. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think I'm willing to, I haven't figured it all the way out yet, but I'm willing to say it's possible that falling uh, just in an honest way could contribute to a lot of these deaths. So yeah. we'll see how that goes moving yeah. forward. That's fair. I also think Barbara's death is, adds a cool element to the story. Well, and Molly's death, they all do, but um. When you first pick up that comic, Edith, Edith, the narrator says, like, you know, I want, I always wondered, like, why Edie kept this comic as, because Edie, the great grandmother, makes these memorials for everyone and kind of puts, like, one artifact that tells their story, right? So for Kelvin, it's the eulogy. For Molly, it's her journal. For Barbara, it's this comic. And Edith is kind of like, I always wondered, like, why Edie would have chosen this, like, campy, kind of horrible, it doesn't paint Barbara in a super great light comic. And I think it adds in this 
this element of like they aren't reliable narrators and like there's all these different reasons like did like did Edie pick that because it's the closest to the truth like or like what about this comic did Edie think like this is the one that I will leave to be her story same with the picture right of because it's dramatic as it is fuck. dramatic as she fuck. likes that it's, but it you're celebrates. sitting there being like is this she real is it not shit. real and you just don't know with these narrators and with the stories that you're playing how yeah. much of it is legit but it just reminds me of like the conversation i have with my mom sometimes where she'll be like hey did you clear out the fucking storage unit and i'll be like uh no <laughs> and she'll be like but when you do like <laughs> are you gonna save all your childhood stuff and i'm like most of it I'm not going to save. And she's like, I understand why you would say that, you know, minimalist lifestyle, whatever you want to live or some shit. And you want to, you know, if you want to move, that's annoying. But I think you should save it all because there's going to be a point in your, in your life when you're just going to want to look at it and mm-hmm. it's going to bring you immense value. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to save that shit. But of course, she's like, no, no, there's going to be shit that like you don't think is valuable now that it'll be valuable later or whatever. And I feel like that's how like Edie is with this where she's like some boomer logic right there. Well, no, it, it, but it makes total sense here where, she, where like I could see being like offended by this comic near the death but then someone specifically ed like who has this a little bit more i guess we described it as like a like a sick sense yeah, of humor a, around death or something a, she's got a weird outlook on death yeah. in but, this family but you could see her being the the one to say you know when it's all said and done the fact that this comic was made about someone in our family is going to be a powerful thing there is a weird element to the comic, also, though, it, and whether or not it's, like, actually intentional or not, like, the fact that the the house layout in the comic book is, yeah, is exactly exact. how the house layout mm-hmm. is, you almost wonder if Edie collaborated I was just thinking that, with, too, with, yeah. like, art interviews and all this stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, if maybe. Yeah. I was thinking that. Also, it's a really great way to tell you where to go next. It definitely yeah. is. Oh I mean, from like a gameplay so perspective, that's the obvious reason. Yeah. But I feel like this game is smart enough yeah. too to like have back, yeah. back reasons. <laughs> so this is actually the exact point in the game. I took my first break. And even though it's a really short game, it is so unbelievably dense. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like, wow, yeah. there's been so much that has happened. I might benefit from taking a break. Mm-hmm. Like just in the sense of like, can my mind even soak this up? Like, I should have mentioned mm. this earlier, but when I was asking about captivation, but I started taking notes for this game and then stopped because I was too goddamn captivated. And I was like, just fucking let it happen. Um, and so, mm. you know, my notes are a beautiful relic to the captivation of this <laughs> game. But yeah. Okay. So, God, where do we go next after this? I think we crawl through some shit, don't we? Yep. So now we, we find out we can get to the basement mm-hmm. through the key in the music box. So we get into the basement. We open up that fridge that Barbara's boyfriend was hiding in and realize that this fridge leads down into a bunker. Um, yeah. Which is where we find out that Walter, Barbara's br- younger brother, who it was who she in the was comic book. babysitting when she died. Oh, mm-hmm. right. Yep. Yes. So... So we know like Walter from the comic book, we understand that Walter clearly looks and I actually think the comic book states that he's like visibly shaken. He's he's very yeah, he's traumatized uh, shaken forever. from the events of what has happened to Barbara. Um and so we find out that there's this bunker that Walter has been living in since he was, I think, like 16 or something like that. Like he he moved down into this bunker, and we I thought it was like days after. Uh, I after I I'm 
I think the year okay. that he started in the bunker was when he was roughly about 16, 15, 16 oh, okay. years old. Okay. Um, oh. And so you do realize, so, so you find this whole kind of apocalyptic setup of, you know, there's just cans of food all over the walls. There's, you know, different ways, like there's a fucking fake window of a mountain to, I don't know, give you a sense of being outside. I'm not sure. Definitely. Um, but you, you find out that Walter has been down here and you read about his death through a personal note that he leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, Walter's death in particular really kind of was the one that kind of actually struck an emotional chord in me. Because um, Walter talks in his note about how he lives basically the same day every year for the last 30 years mm-hmm. or something like that. And and you, as Walter, are doing the, the exact same thing. So you, as McCoy mentioned before, you have a can opener, you open up a can of peaches, you guzzle it down, and the passage of time is exemplified through music playing over the radio that he has down there, as well as there's a calendar mm-hmm. next to him as well. So you see that it goes from the 60s and then the 70s. And then it's the 2000s. And all this time, Walter is talking about this monster that's at the door that he's afraid is going to come to get him. And this monster is kind of exemplified through this rumbling that you feel in this bunker. Uh, There's like dirt falling from the ceiling and everything as this rumbling is passing. Um, And you experience this every day. And then you... When you're in the early 2000s, he is getting ready to eat his can of peaches, and he mentions how the rumbling has stopped. Mm-hmm. Wait, are you and are it, you building this to suggest that the shaking that he experienced when Barbara died is the earthquake? Is that what is happening here? I, well, I mean, PTSD, I guess that's up to basically. interpretation. Like, is that a reasonable yeah, conclusion to, to consider here? Yeah. And that the monster Maybe. he's running from is yeah. like a mental trauma or something? Well, I also think it's clear this whole family Maybe. thinks that they're cursed. And so I think they think that monster is a legit, like, it's like what got Molly, right? Maybe what got Bart. Like, you know, I think that there's, you know, he's trying to not get well, killed you understand. by whatever's out there. Right. Walter has lived through, at this point, he wasn't alive when Molly died, but he's lived through the death of two of his siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, one Which, of by them, the way, happens every generation? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, every generation in this family for sure. Um, and so he, he's kind of realized that, and, and also you have to kind of figure out like maybe Edie has been telling him these stories mm-hmm. of this curse as well. And so with the death of his two siblings as well, he's probably thinking I'm next, mm-hmm. like it's coming for me next, which is why he's been living in fear in this bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think what he says it's it's really beautiful but like he decides in 2005 he's he, he stops hearing the rumbling but he's like you know what I, i'm ready to face what's out there and so you then control him as he is making his way out of the bunker not through the front door mind you but through mm-hmm. i just taking, figured out what the rumbling is yeah keep, i mean keep going i'll th- tell there's, you in a there's second. theories it's a, yeah Okay, wait. Um, I get it too. I I'm with James on this one. I don't actually James. know what the rumbling is. But. James, let's connect in a second. Let's let Joey finish this and then see. You know what you guys should really thing. do is yeah. you guys should text on the side. Got don't it. do it. I'm, that it. was not a real suggestion. It's happening right <laughs> now. It. Oh, I fucked up. But, All right. 
Go on. Yeah, so uh, as Walter's uh, busting his way out, though, um, he says some really beautiful, poignant lines, which is like, I've got to stop living the same day of my life. And then he says, you know, I don't care if I only have a year left mm-hmm. or a month left or a single week. I'd be happy with one new day. And then he says, like, I can mm-hmm. already feel the sun shining on my face, to which as you're making your way out of this bunker, you're following these train tracks out of there. And as he says those final words, you look up to the sky, to the sun, and then you see train headlights. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the screen goes yep. black. Oh. Um, so All right. So Elena yeah. and I texted each other. <laughs> God, <laughs> okay. And we both texted. It's the fucking it's the train. train. Yeah, That's, rumbling. That's the rumbling in the bunker. Mm-hmm. It's the rumbling in the bunker. And then it stopped. And he went outside, and then the train came again. Right. So whether maybe the train was late on a schedule or something, like broken down, like broken down right. for a day or two. What it is. Yeah. Oh my god, though. But yeah. Just like, just that, that fear, just like the isolation that he forced on himself because of the mm-hmm. fear of the monster. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. This. Oh. That. Yeah. I. I feel you on this one. This story, this story is 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 tough. Um, yeah, I there was a like without going into too much detail. There's a period in my life where I w- really struggled to like leave the house. Basically, I know that mm-hmm. sounds really crazy, and honestly, it was really crazy looking <laughs> back. Um, but it was like because of a mental pattern that had gotten out of control that like freaked me out, and like so basically, like didn't matter whether or not anything would happen, it would just freak me mm-hmm. out. And I just remember like the world just closing in like this, this feeling like this. And it's just, it's some, by the way, something you can work through. Um, FYI, <laughs> I do leave the house now. Although like asterisk, do I really? But um, Well, co- hashtag COVID. Things well, yeah, have changed exactly. again. So then in yeah, that sense, it's probably COVID, more like yeah. all of our lives. But yeah, it's just one of those things where like you could just so easily see someone retreating into their bunker of safety, but then finding it a prison. Like that is just something that happens. Well, it's, such a, it's such a metaphor for life, and when you're afraid to go out and do something that you want, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. But get this: imagine feeling that way, mm-hmm. and then your fucking mom goes to the press <laughs> saying there's a fucking old man living under your house. <laughs> yeah, 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 interesting. Because yeah. the second playthrough, you realize. Holy shit, that mole man's Walter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. legitimately <laughs> You know what I wonder? Do you think Edie was supporting? Because it doesn't appear that any of them work. There's one person who they mention working, but it's not a high-paying job. Do you think Edie is funding this family through tabloid stories? Pro- uh, proceeds from the comic book. <laughs> yeah, proceeds from the comic book. I think the I mole think, man. I mean, remember, remember them being one of the richest families in... Uh, where oh, they came Norway? from? What was it? Sweden Norway. or something? Norway? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're one of the richest families in Norway. But, but so outside of monetary um, ways yeah. that Edie funds this family, she definitely fuels this oh, family. Oh, for sure. Uh, and that's what Edith's mom. Don. Don, thank you. Uh, has such a fucking problem yeah. with. Mm-hmm. She's just like, stop like yeah. relishing in all these stories stop like smiling when you tell the story of how someone died and stop saying that we're cursed and just like you can just feel that like really clear like butting heads between the two of them where the mom is like let's just be fucking done with all this like mm-hmm. come on this is bullshit and yeah. it does culminate in and i'm getting a little bit ahead of myself so i guess i'll say it but then we can move on. but the the beautiful line of 
the parents start to fight at the dinner table. It's not the parents. It's the grandma and the the mom uh, of Edith. And then she's like, you know, Edith, honey, why don't you run along so the uh, grownups can argue? Yeah. <laughs> Which is fucking brilliant. You just feel it in the air. to fight. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. That, by the way, is both a line that would make me livid if someone said it to me in the exact way that it was intended to do, but is also so fucking baller. <laughs> right okay well so this is actually leading to a a good point though because after walter's scene there is this kind of i I call it an intermission of sorts because we're kind of now about to move up a level in the family tree we've still got sam to deal with Mm -hmm. uh in this line of family but sam's offspring are the ones that birth edith so like we're kind of done with the distant relatives in a way. Um, and so there's this intermission as e- Edith is making her way outside. She's walking the train tracks where Walter had tra- uh, you know, walked. And she starts saying some very significant lines about where this story is going. And I think one of the main ones is um, she says, I'm worried the stories themselves might be a problem. Maybe we believed mm. so much in a family curse, we made it real. Mm-hmm. And so this to me is where I started to clue in that like, I, to me, the, the first kind of psychological component that comes to mind, and it's not r- true, like for Ed, ED, great grandma ED, like I think of a similar thing of like a Munchausen's by proxy syndrome where ED is so desperate to keep this curse going and this public hype of a curse around her family going that she is willing to do anything to fuel the flames of the fire to kind of predestine her family to die. Um, it, it, it sounds really sick and twisted when I say it that way, but I, I mean that in that she she just makes a lot of very deliberate actions that puts her family in harm's way, uh, whether intentional mm-hmm. or not. You know, we talked about Calvin, the fact that they had a fucking swing that's on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> like, what family mm. would, would do that? Um, another thing, you know, I, I mentioned that headline in her bedroom of Edie won't go as wildfires are ravaging down uh, you know, threatening the house. Um, you know, was Edie staying because she knew that if something happened, she could just blame a curse or like, you know, is, what is the, her thought process with that? Cause I, she, I, she's reveling in this fame of this curse and you see Odin, the great, great grandfather, he, he made a book about death and about this curse mm-hmm. as well. Uh, So it's like almost like she just wants to make this curse a self-fulfilled prophecy in a way for a lot of uh, her children, Um, which is what I think Edith means by that line. And I just think is, uh, I just really starts to get you second guessing about the deaths that you just witnessed, you know, Mm. Molly's and Barbara's and Calvin's, just like how much of that was their own fault versus maybe the fault of Edie if it was her fault yeah. at all. And and like does it have it's like maybe it didn't start as her fault necessarily, but like it's like it's almost the same way with like the way they treat all the the rooms and stuff where like they just got frozen in time and now it's the tradition and now mm-hmm. it has to continue. 
and like the same way that the mom kind of wants to fight against that too but it's like when when odin dies in in such a fantastical way in such a fant i mean bringing the house is fantastical enough anyways and then the house like it's sunk like essentially right outside your house like mm-hmm. it starts so fantastical and so story-like that i could see her being like there's two ways to look at this guy's death either that was weird and potentially dumb <laughs> to do in general or it's like this is a magical <laughs> story of a magical family mm-hmm. and i just feel like that one must have sat so much better with her that i could see her subtly at first and then potentially more intensely later like pushing towards that narrative and I could even see like another person dies and she's like, how do I connect this to our narrative? Mm -hmm. And then once she connects it, she's like, wow, we have this connected narrative. Like we have to continue, you know, it's like a rationalization. It's like Mm -hmm. it's it's the only way that she can live with the kind of horrible things that keep happening to her. Yeah. And in fact, it's almost the only way that we can play this game and live with it, because if this game didn't have the fantastical Mm -hmm. elements to it, but instead was just just a matter of fact story of all these people dying. I don't think it would sit as well with us either. So in a way, we are experiencing yeah. the story that she's telling. And in fact, it's a much more pleasing story to us as well. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yeah, I think I think you make a good point, McCoy, in that you know, maybe beforehand it was just, you know, her trying to rationalize and maybe becomes more intentional. And I think the only way it maybe hints at becoming more intentional in the in you know, future parts is um, at the very beginning when you peep through Grandma Edie's room, uh, Edith says, like, um, when I was 10 years old, uh, I, w- I was 10 years old when Grandma Edie started painting my portrait. Um, but then you realize that the portraits she paints are specifically for these uh, wood mm-hmm. rounds, woodcut oh, rounds that, that she oh. uses to make like yeah make these shrines and make these altars in people's rooms so you're kind of mm. thinking oh like why, why is, is she painting it now yeah she's calling your Edith's death in this era of your life whoa yeah exactly like or whether or not she she means it intentionally i mean because also when you go through great grandma Edie's room uh, she has a bunch of binders that say like uh molly portraits or barbara portraits so is it also maybe something where every year she paints their portrait maybe think being like this might be the year like i don't know like so that that that's also a thought of um just how like whether it's a way that she's coping or just trying to like prime herself for an inevitable inevitable death with her kids or whether like it it sounds very Mm. sinister when you say that she's like you know predicting their deaths that way but it almost seems like she's just preparing mm-hmm. every yeah. year to be like this might be the yeah. year that something will happen and to actually, them actually now that you mm-hmm. say that i thinking more about this theory have there was a loose end to me that i didn't have any basis for so it just flew in the wind and potentially almost got away which is why does she not prepare for her own death mm-hmm. she, she has lived a long time the longest lived family member by far it's not even close. And so then you, when you think about it in that context, yeah. you're like, wait a minute, everyone else is fucking dying. But what about you? Surely mm-hmm. you're going to die. But no. Um, right. Mm. So it she kind died, of like brings us well, more Well, she sinister. killed herself, sort of. Yeah, I think it's like yeah. strongly she insinuated. She chose when yeah. to die. Sure, but, but not like these stories. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not when she was 10 right. or 20 or 30 and based on, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, all right. Right. Hmm. 
and it gives a more sinister approach because you know as we go along further in this intermission uh edith starts walking through the house cemetery and she says a line like what family builds a cemetery mm-hmm. before building the house oh and by the way edie was in charge of the cemetery uh, nice Fun nice fact. connection <laughs> like so so yeah it, it's just it kind of brings almost this like sinister tone to Edie just in the sense that it's just like she is in charge of this memorialization she's in charge of death but she herself is not threatened it's the people around her mm-hmm. so it kind of like almost brings this villain like quality to Edie in a way it's so uh, interesting Zoe because I, I I always thought of Edie as like the the good character sort of she's like the cool grandma who like mm-hmm. wants to tell you everything but your mom won't let her and like I think it really paints your mom as being the villain in this game and Edie is like sort of this fantastical matriarch, and like you know, so I I I guess I got, like I got a very different sense from the game. But now now that you're saying, I I totally hear how like weird it is, and like how creepy she is as a character, and and how um yeah odd her behavior is, and potentially sinister. But I think the game kind of paints her as like you know the cool grandma almost a little crazy, a little crazy. <laughs> Yeah. But but I definitely think that your mom is very villainized, and that kind of puts Edie on the, yeah. the upside. Then your mom's anti cool, bro. She's yeah. anti fun. Yeah, like your mom. You know, your mom locks up all the rooms, and your mom makes mm-hmm. you leave, and your mom yeah. won't let Edie talk to you about any of the stories, and didn't tell you any of this stuff. And, and even your mom wants her her mom to go to the home, right? And no one mm-hmm. else can imagine it. And the her, yeah, her, her grandma. Her, her, oh, I see. Um, yeah. So the other thing is that. When we're talking about people who are preparing for their own death, and maybe maybe this is something we get to at the very end, like Edith is preparing for her own death uh-huh. with this narration yeah. in a way that it doesn't feel like E.D. is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that and is extra you weird, that, isn't yeah. it? You don't know that until the very end of the story. But yeah, you find out at the end that Edith is very much like preparing this narrative for mm-hmm. when she's not there to tell it herself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, so next, the next place that we go to is is um, Sam's death, right? Yep. So that, that is. When, yep. We we figure out. So Sam is Edith's grandfather, uh, and his death is told through a series of camping photographs, which I thought was a really cool mm. concept, honestly. Um, so. Uh, it's told on a camping trip that Sam has with his remaining child, Dawn, because I think the year that yeah. they go camping is after both of his sons have already died. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I like this concept of being on this hunting trip and you're, you point this camera around and you take photos and clearly the story progresses when you take a picture of the right thing, which mm-hmm. in some cases took me yeah, a while. Me yeah, this is the one, the one section yeah, where I thought too. the gameplay was super duper cool, but also a little bit clunky in a couple of spots. You're like, wait, okay. Where's this fucking deer? Where is this? We, <laughs> we're pretty unguided, sure we're supposed to be looking for yeah. a deer, but we can't find it. Wait, I get it. I'm not supposed to take a picture of you. <laughs> yeah, you can't quite. So there were a couple we got stuck on for a while, and that was the, I think yeah. it stuck out because it was the only point in this game yeah. where you're like, uh, I can't quite get this story to keep going. Another point I would actually like to point to because I'm actually curious if other people encountered it, but when you are the monster's uh, tentacle or some shit, and then you oh yeah uh, go up the first set of stairs towards the first guy, uh, you kill him, and then you need to like do a hard right like around and up to the second level of the ship for some reason. And the camera doesn't turn or or signify in any way that you need to do that. So I actually just didn't know yeah, you that did path existed. Of a... So I did a little loop. Yeah. But but okay. 
But I would say that, like, okay, at least for me, as someone who fancied himself a photographer at one point in his life, this scene was fucking rad. Well, and I think it's just, it's so novel. <laughs> oh like, you've never amazing. in a video game progressed a story this way. It's like you've probably never in a video game played through a comic book. Like, the, this game does so many, like, cool little vignettes of really interesting ways. Pokemon Snap? <laughs> Sorry. Never <laughs> in a game since Pokemon Snap. And I guess maybe Who Firewatch. originated and revolutionized the point-and-click camera. Anyways. Yeah. Well, so, so yeah, I actually was getting, okay. like, some real... All right, to be quite honest, I never actually played Pokemon Snap myself. I don't know how that. Right into us at tyrannyofthumbs at gmail.com if you played Pokemon Point and Snap and want to tell us about (laughs) how the gameplay is similar to this game. What remains of you? Yeah, it's similar to the Vanishing (laughs) Beat the Carter. God damn it. Um, Okay. Um, Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, like, dude, uh, I was kind of getting, like, although it is very different in its execution, but the only other game. Okay, a lot of games have photo modes right now, you and everyone talks Firewatch? about it. Yeah, I was going to say Firewatch. Yeah. That was the I got that Firewatch story. vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, did I ruin that for you? <laughs> no, it's okay. But um, but I was like, wow, are we going to see all of these photos in the credits? And like, I'm actually glad they didn't because they had so much more to do than focus on this one uh, story during the credits. But it did remind me of that Firewatch uh, yeah. credit sequence where you see all the photographs mm-hmm. that you took on that point-and-shoot camera, that disposable, and you're just like, fuck. This is awesome. Cameras in games are awesome, especially in a game like this that is so much about capturing a moment or a memory um, mm. and is so much about uh, – like, for instance, you would see a photograph all fucking day long on someone's desk and look at that shit and try to read into it. But actually taking them and finally creating the final photograph where this guy is falling off the fucking, uh, yeah. I don't know, boulder or some shit. This uh, was a rough one. It was. <laughs> Yeah. So, so the death in this, it, well, so you're playing as the camera <laughs> either in the hands of Don, your mother, or Sam, your grandfather, going on a hunting trip where Sam is teaching Don to hunt deer. He's clearly already taught her to shoot. Um, and Don is super not excited about killing uh an animal right and Um, sam keeps on saying all these lines of you know you need to learn to survive don like yeah i thought the whole way through yeah that like sam was very much which which resonates super hard with the way that she deals with the family it's like this is her way to survive Mm -hmm. is to shut out the curse yeah stuff that Edie is all about um right and anyways so don finally kills the buck and sam sets up the camera as you to to be like a delay Mm -hmm. shot goes over to hold up the buck's head and then it like is actually still alive and jerks one final time and he falls off the cliff and and that's the photo that you take yeah and that's a photo that you take as him falling off the cliff. Of... That's been developed. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, and kept exactly. like, probably exactly. by Edie is like, that's Sweet. the photo that's, you know, on his little memorial. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, like, I don't know if it's a talent exactly, but there's clearly an incredible ability in this family to take pictures of people as they're dying <laughs> and then to have them. And they have a lot of practice. Them. Yeah, they do, but well, sort of. It splits between them. I don't know. It's just another one of those things. Like I don't know if it's a skill like writing or p- 
painting that goes through yeah. this family of taking photographs of people dying, but it feels like it is. I know. Um, I thought this was one of the more like horrific, horrifying deaths. Just oh. like this is such a horrible experience when you think about it from Dawn's like it's yeah. just it's yeah. it's not good. You know so it, devastating. Yeah. It reminds me yeah. a little bit of <laughs> Call of Duty. It's just a recent memory, but you know, where we were talking, we were praising it for that line of just how it felt like there was parenting going on in the middle of a crazy uh interrogation sequence where the family's being used as an interrogation tool like the on the walk up there's an amazing line about family oh, yeah. but this is all i mean this whole game is for sure but this scene is also filled with these sort of parenting lines that are comforting and stuff enough to you know where it's like oh you don't have to kill this thing but you've got to get stronger you know mm-hmm. like it didn't feel like you've got to fucking do this man it felt like you know hey like we're we're, we're doing this you're gonna enjoy this you're gonna remember this you're gonna love this you know She's definitely gonna remember it yeah she definitely is um, yeah, and that's there's enough of that, and it lands hard enough that that this just hurts, bro. Um, it, and yeah. and oh and, and at this point, I know I'm sure everyone had their own point in the story where they felt this, um, and perhaps for everyone else who's a sane person, it was like the first time someone died. But for me, this was the point where I was like. God, let it rest, would you? Like, why does everyone <laughs> yeah. have to fucking die when everything is going so well? Like, I'm so, I, you know, this was such a great scene and I, mm-hmm. I was so happy for it. This was going for everyone and now this guy's fucking dead. Mm-hmm. God damn it. And of course, um, it wasn't going to stop, was it? Yeah. But I just wish that it had, you know. Um, yeah. Because mm. you just want something to go well for someone, uh, especially after this this really touching scene. Oh, yeah. Where was the play testing though? <laughs> <laughs> to take it also. yeah I, honestly i think that was like the one area i've seen most people get stuck on as well as myself to be honest um but yeah so I got a little i mean i didn't get stuck for more than like a minute on any of the right. photographs <laughs> i think i was stuck for like five minutes <laughs> you, really you get the right like you got stuck for a long time, time. we could not find the deer yeah. my my yeah my I, that one took me probably the longest. I mean, admittedly, I did at the very last one, like fuck up walking up the cliff, um, and he and you take a photo, and then the dad's like, "Oh, I have to go reset the timer," <laughs> really? and I was like, "Oh, fuck no." Oh, that yeah. was probably the most hilarious walk um, animation ever, because <laughs> you don't really see people like do shit yeah, in this game. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. most like after the fact, and there's just like tr- <laughs> just. Like, walking into walls and shit like trying to get around the fucking walkway it's like god damn it yeah and like it you can't even like see yourself for some of it so you're just like walking like i don't know it yeah anyways um the the strategy for that i took was like zoom out all the way try and find something and then zoom in yeah like that was the best so you're saying that but you play Among Us really well. That's what you're trying to tell us. Like you're just a high-level game player <laughs> at all circumstances. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, ex- that's what I'm trying yeah. to tell you. Yeah, without having purchased Among Us, I'm a, I'm a God-tier player. So yeah. Make sure not to play with you again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah, so this... Sam's death, though, introduces the kind of this new generation of family, though, um, only mm. because at this point, all of Sam's siblings died when either they were super young or when they were hiding from the world, a.k.a. Walter. Um, so Sam is like the first ge- 
person of the generation who is like, I want to do something about this. I'm going to prepare my family for such a thing, Mm -hmm. Um, which is what he is instilling in Dawn at this point. Now, I don't believe he maybe had this uh, line of thought with his two sons prior to this. Um, I actually think it might be the death of his two sons that got him to maybe like try to you know, give this kind of tough love. So. You've got to survive mentality to Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, so he also then the, joined the Marines at 18. Right. He joined the Marines at 18. You see a lot of <clears throat> military imagery, uh, not only in his own childhood bedroom and his own bedroom in general, but also you see in his children's room, Dawn, Gus, and Gregory all shared a room together, and you see how rigorous that room is. They all have their own locker, and you right. see a mm-hmm. schedule on the right. whiteboard of like seven thirty, wake up, eight thirty, raise the American flag, you know, nine thirty, chores, ten thirty, you know, run a lap, mm-hmm. you know. So like, you see how that militaristic training has kind of instilled on him, a, you know, yeah, the sense of survival that he wants his kids to maybe take really on. really disappointed in Lewis. <laughs> I'm just saying. Maybe, maybe. He, he, he didn't live long enough, no. I guess, to figure it out. But, um, but he, now comes what I would consider, for me at least personally, was the toughest death for me to swallow. And that was of Gregory. I know, the baby. Um, I agree. These two. You come across this these cradle. These two back to back were tough. Wait, sorry. Which, which were the three, which were Sam's three kids that survived past infancy? Sam, Dawn was the only one who lived past infancy. Gus died when he was 14. Gregory died when he was one. So Dawn oh, okay. was the only one I thought Gregory live. was on the board for chores. Was I insane? <laughs> he was, but his chore was be a baby. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so awful. Oh, my God. I kind of like it. I think it's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is sweet, but it's like, but the fact that they left the fucking crib there, it's so that family and it's so. Well, yeah, but that's like, that's what they do. They couldn't get rid of that crib. That's his shrine now. Dude, I remember the bathtub. And as an adult, I don't think I've taken a bath in fucking so long. And I certainly haven't done one where just like baths are so much less exciting as an adult because it's so much harder to submerge yourself entirely. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dude, you need like, a bigger bath. That's why bath. hot tubs exist. Yeah. That's like the adult bathtub. And you get to have your friends there and you're like, bro, who brought the duck? That like, you true. know, I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, oh my God. This was devastating, right, was it not? Oh my and God. I think they tried. It, it's especially yeah. devastating yeah. when you go upon the cradle. You see you see the, the, the wood round there. You see his birth and death date of 76 and 77. And you're like, oh yeah. no. Oh yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. And to the and they this stick is told you in through that a, bathtub, and you instantly know what's gonna happen. I like I, you know, you know a baby's right. gonna mm-hmm. die, and there, and the, the scene opens in a bathtub, and you're like, well, I know what happens here. Yep. Right. Yeah. And this is told through a divorce contract mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. Sam and his wife Kay. Um, Sam Where writes he, a note to Kay yeah. about telling Kay that it's not her fault that Gregory died, even though Kay did leave an infant alone in a bathtub. To answer the phone. 
Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things where you could blame wireless phone technology <laughs> not being invented yet. <laughs> no, but it's true. Perhaps. <laughs> they didn't have cell no, phones. it's very true. It's very, it's... This is t- told yeah, in such a creative that, like, way, though. Like, it's told to the Tchaikovsky's Waltz of the Flowers... Um, and you are playing as you, you are playing in first person as Gregory and he is kind of waving his arms in this conducting it and his toys are waltzing around to the beat of this music. Um, and all this time, Sam is narrating in our heads how, you know, I really wonder how Gregory saw the world through his own Mm -hmm. eyes. Like he must've seen something magical. Um, and certainly you, you get to play around with this magic. So you're playing with all these bath toys and you play specifically as this green frog that is just bouncing all around the tub and you are knocking things over. You are, you know, popping bubbles. You're, yes. you know, mm-hmm. toss the bubble bath into the bath and make it all fizz up and everything. Just knocking shit over, bro. Beautiful kind of scene. Yeah, you're just knocking shit over. It's mm-hmm. fun. You're, it's like a physics simula- simulator. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, and then, you know, sure enough, you, you think, again, it's that subverting of expectations. You're in this bath. Kay comes in. She drains the bathtub being like, bath time's over. And you're like, maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, sure enough, you take control of this frog, and I think it's one of the most sadistic things in a video <laughs> game to, as the frog, be the one to turn the water back mm-hmm. on in the tub. I was like, you motherfucker. Yeah, with the door closed to the <laughs> Yeah, to yeah, the Kay's gone. Real. Your mom's gone. Yeah, but also the door to the sh- shower or bathtub. You know, it's like, I'm pretty oh, sure that, yeah, so like that it, the... you can't get out that mm-hmm. way. And Well, also yeah. a baby couldn't get out that way May- anyways. Probably not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's this is a a good example of there are a bunch of instances in video games where you just have to do the thing, and it becomes obvious to you at one point mm-hmm. what the thing is obvious, very, and you're like, "Fuck." Yeah, we talked about it in Last of Us too a lot. How they make you do the thing that you don't want to do. Sure, you don't have a place. choice. This was another one of those, mm. and I think they tried so hard to make this scene really lighthearted and really mm-hmm. fun, and mm-hmm. you know, beautiful, and it's kid like, and it's not traumatizing that a baby's dying, but. You know, it only gets you part way, and I think in some ways, like the lightness, is makes it a little bit more disturbing, mm-hmm. or at least it did for me. Yeah, I was like, this is not fun. Not this is fun. not a happy mm-hmm. fun time where you're playing in a bathtub and like this is great. Like I know but what's it is happening until here. It isn't. I know, but like that's what your mom yeah. was like. It's always fun until somebody gets hurt. But I don't know. Yeah, this one was, right. you know, this one was really hard, but. It was also kind of really beautiful to me because of the message um, from Sam. Mm-hmm. Like, just, um, it's like so clear that it it's it, it, like this death destroyed their marriage because neither one of them could get over it. And um, she blamed herself and that he, he, his like parting words to this woman was like, I, I forgive you. It's Mm -hmm. not your fault. And that, that whole message as you're watching this baby, like splash around in the tub and have fun was, you know, devastating, but also kind of really, really beautiful and touching Mm -hmm. in a certain way. Um, I, I, I don't know. I was 
smiling, but also crying. <laughs> oh, of course. Perhaps it's a little bit like, like Calvin's death in that way, I think, for me. Of like, that's such a beautiful eulogy. Yeah. That Sam, is it Sam who writes that? Yeah. Yeah, Sam's yeah. a good writer. Anyways, but like, you know, it, that's so touching and lovely, but also so sad. I think that this one's sort of similar. But so that's my theory as to why this game, it's such a weird phrase to say, gets away with killing children. But it, yeah, does, right, it so does so because it, it this game has maybe better than most games that I've played. Like it nails age, like where you are mm-hmm. in growing up when it tells your story, like your perspective of the world. Mm-hmm. And the younger you get, the more fantastical and imaginary it is in a way that felt so reminiscent of just when I was a kid. Like it mm-hmm. just, so like they, and so when you extrapolate that all the way down um, to Gregory, right? The one-year-old, it's just like, it's the most imagination. It's the most mm-hmm. fantastical. And I think that abstracts it enough. Like when you see the toys, like, like, uh, dancing like on the drain as you're going through mm-hmm. like in in unison and in line like the whole thing is just it's amazing and and so I really do think they nail where you are in your life when they represent your room when they represent everything about it um, and I think that's why you can it's sad definitely but that's why you can like pull off this scene because they really put you yeah Dude, I fucking remember being young. I'm not sure if I remember being one, but I remember being young and in a bath, dude. Like, I really remember that. I don't think I, like, actively think about it, but, boy, did I actively think about it during playing this game. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't even think I had those memories anymore, but it's just, it's so evocative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude. And the other thing I want, dude, there's a really sad line, because, like, okay, so the, the mom is, like, really thinking that this is her fault, and I think there's a case to be made for that. Not one that I want to make, you know, I'm not here to blame anyone, but it's, oh, that's unfortunate. But there's also this really, really sad thing that just shows mental torture just sometimes doesn't have logical bounds where like the dad is like, I shouldn't have called. Like, mm-hmm. think about that. Like if I hadn't called that right. night, right. yeah. You... Think about that. That's the sort of mental, uh, sorry, mental torture that will happen to you. Like if you, the court, the the result of your actions led to something that you could not have foreseen, or or p- potentially in some cases maybe you could have foreseen it if you had done a little better, if you had thought more. That is the type of torture that is just holy fuck. Like like mm-hmm. just imagining what he was going through also on top of that, um, is terrible as well. Um, like I've I I have instances like that in my life where it's like oh my god I should have thought of that, mm-hmm. but you can't should have thought of anything. It's over now. But it yeah. doesn't stop me from being like, I, sh- I should have been better there. Like, again, I'm sure he sat there and went like, I should have asked where he was. Mm-hmm. Like, I should have I should have done an extra step. Um, and those, like, I should haves are just, oof, they're torturous. Um, so, oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, I know some people, including myself, need to take a t- quick break. Because I know we still have a yeah. little bit of ways to go. Um, <laughs> Can I play the theme song as like the, you know, the elevator music in the middle? Okay. So, all right. So then basically we've dealt with one of 
Dawn's dead siblings. Um, and now we go into, after that heartbreaker of a death, we kind of go into, like, arguably maybe a more lighthearted death, slightly. <laughs> um, to, <laughs> to the extent that death can be lighthearted, yeah. This was the chillest death. Actually, this is not the chillest death. The chillest death definitely comes later, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, right. yeah, and that would be of Gus, who's 13. And this is told through a poem that Dawn writes about Gus mm -hmm. uh, in regards to how he died. And that was basically um, Sam, after Kay leaves, um, Sam gets remarried about three or four years later. And at that wedding, uh, Gus is upset about his new stepmom, so he's flying his kite away from the wedding, but a huge storm rolls in. And it's surmised that the, the storm, something happens in the storm, and Gus gets swept up in it, and he dies mm -hmm. uh, as a result. During um, his dad's wedding. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. timing. By the way, uh, Elena mentioned this as the recurring segment of things that you see later, but there are guest chairs or plastic chairs in the yeah, trees. Yeah, there are chairs in the trees as you're walking along the beach, kind of in that, mm. like, inner, I think Zoe described it as an intermission section. We're walking around, I'm like, why are there all these trees? I mean, chairs in the trees. I'm like, that can't possibly be good. And you find out that it's from that big storm. I never noticed that. Oh, my goodness. That's there, so well, there's so many little details like that in this game, and that's just, like, one that I happened to notice out of the millions that I missed. But I mean, yeah. chairs are strewn all over the place around this house. Yes. Like, when you first walk up to the house, there's there's plastic chairs just strewn all over the place. Right. Yeah, they have a weird thing about just, like, leaving things in this family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, once death happens, it's frozen. In yeah, time. it's frozen. Just period. Like, the dragon is still in the fucking lake That's or some shit. That's what I was shit. just thinking, too. Like, no one ever dealt with that dragon. No. Wait. The one that killed you Odin? Yeah, yeah, if you approach the house. Sven. Yeah. Yeah, the one that killed Sven. Right. Oh, Sven, right. The, the one that killed Odin was the house going under the water or something. That's, right, That's right. still right. out there. In, like, yes. yeah, the house is also out in the middle of the... Yeah. The house getting real so many... Oh, like, yeah. Because I mean, that red so light off in the distance and I'm walking to, like, um, <laughs> We'll go there. Beautifully composed outlooks where you can see that, mm -hmm. that house out there with the blinking red light. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. glad we did go. And right. I guess we'll get there. But yeah, yeah like... Anyways, Gus. No, this is, again, such a relatable thing. I mean, like, so, you know, like, I... Like, my mom, like, remarried. And I remember, like, having to be excited. And, like, actually, like, she remarried a perfectly reasonable guy. And there's nothing really... Like, there's nothing really... It's like not, it's just life, bro. But I'm still a kid being like, does this mean I have another dad? I don't know if I want another dad. I think I'm good mm -hmm. with how many dads I have. You know what I mean? Like, I think I, I don't... Because I was sitting there, like... What it, what do parents do to me mostly? They tell me to come out of my room and they tell me to do shit like my homework, which I've already done mostly, or I'm going to do it later. And oh, I actually yeah. am. So it's like, they're just, they just telling me to go to Six Flags when I want to go to Six Flags. Like, why, why do I need another one? I'm feeling really outnumbered when I want to not go to Six Flags. privilege on now. this kid. The only thing <laughs> yeah. his parents do is tell him to go to Six Flags when he doesn't want to go to Six Flags. Yeah, it was not the most relatable example. What? You guys want to go to Six Flags? Okay, I think... Here's why. Here's why I didn't want to go to Six Flags. I'll tell you right now. It's very simple equation. I didn't want to go to Six Flags because they told me it was going to be fun, and I did not trust them the way they said it. <laughs> <laughs> I just did not trust that shit. I, like, oh my god, you're going to have so much fun. I was like, mm, mm, I didn't buy the sale. <laughs> like, I have, I have a 100%... 
streak across my per, 100% of my life has has occurred outside of a Six Flags um do you want to go to Six Flags? It'll be fun. <laughs> Well, it's now not the time to go to Six Flags. Dude, every year I would agree with that, Elena. Now is not the time to go to Six Flags. Like I feel like every year past the previous one is less an appropriate time to go to Six Flags. Because <laughs> like every time I draw, I drive by it. I'm always just like. Wow, I remember that roller coaster from ten years ago. Jesus, like it just feels so much less safe <laughs> that it's been sitting there for ten years. I'm like, you know, that shit gets rained on, right? Like, I didn't see any tarps. Like, you know what I'm saying? And they have like the old wooden one. That's like, it's like less exciting. It doesn't mm-hmm. do flips and shit, but it's just like a wooden fucking construction that's been rained on for ten years. I'm like, by the way, everything else it, here. <laughs> After 10 years is like needs to be repaired and like is sun kissed and all the paints like chipping off and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, so as I'm getting older and recognizing that you could totally die from a from a ride like that, because I was a kid, I was like. Probably not. That doesn't seem like a real life. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of that invincibility of being a kid. Like, I think, you know, it's fine. Like, what is this thing like drop you from like a million fucking feet? Sure. And then as an adult, I'm like, which so that thing is. You say a million feet? Like I'm like like actually look at the mm-hmm. numbers. Mm. You know what though, McCoy? Yeah. I think if you were a child in the Finch family, mm. you might think about that differently. Oh, how would Perhaps. I? Perhaps. <laughs> I just I think death is a lot more present in their lives. Ah, mm, that's a good I point. See. Like that segue. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm, that, felt like I had more to riff on for Six Flags. But... <laughs> <laughs> I think right. there's like what, one thing to note, though, in Gus's death. Um, and then this is also what kind of makes me kind of retract on my statement that like Edie is a villain necessarily. But I, I also but I, I think Gus's death also presents this idea that although Sam has been trying to protect his family from this curse, he himself instigates things and puts his family at risk with sheer carelessness that leads up to deaths. Like with all um, the like telling of the storm coming and then still being like, fuck it, the music should be louder and like that. Is that yeah, what exactly. And my you child to... is somewhere out there flying a kite in the middle of a lightning storm and I'm just going to let that happen. Right, exactly. Like there is that sense of carelessness that he still has towards life despite the fact that, you know, at that point... I guess at that point, only Gregory had died. But like still, you know, you you have this idea that there's this family curse and yet you still have this kind of frivolousness with anything remotely life-threatening, you know, where you're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, just make the music louder. Yeah, Gus is out there somewhere, whatever. He's being, he's being a jerk right now. He flipped me off. Like, I don't know, who knows? He's being a, a, a moody teen. Just mm-hmm. being a kid. Right. To be fair, though, like, okay, so I think we're doing a really good job of talking about how the story is unfolding, and it's awesome. But what's crazy is, dude, like, the gameplay is unfolding, too, in really cute, interesting ways. We've touched mm-hmm. on a little. But here in the kite scene, you're flying your kite over these letters mm-hmm. to, like, present the next line of the poem. And it's just it's just beautiful and awesome. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, it it's... It's just continuing to find interesting ways. Like, okay, during this game, I was, because I've been thinking about this a lot lately of like basically people, like talking about pacing 
you know, and talking mm-hmm. about uh, this was a tight story. It didn't it didn't go on too long and it didn't uh, bore me and it didn't whatever. And I totally get that. And I think for many games that really lands and, and it can 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 work. And this is definitely an example of that. I don't think it's as necessary to be like an amazingly tight experience or have like, I guess when that means everything must be short bites. I do love long bites in my games too, but undeniably this game has incredibly varied and delightfully different and just delightful short bits of story and gameplay like over and over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. And none of them overstay their welcome, I think. And, and it's so much so that, it's just it's just a delight to play like the whole way through like this this was a, this kite scene was just a delight to fly random objects around the screen just for a little bit not for too long but just for a little bit um so it just continually has gameplay things that just feel super novel for the moment like for instance gregory it was another good example like jumping around the bathtub with all those different things mm-hmm. and knocking things over and diving underneath the water and flipping over the whale and just like all this stuff is is just delightful um, and delightfully varied from a gameplay standpoint. Yeah, I think when we were playing it, I called them mini games because in some ways that's sort of what they feel like. Mm-hmm. But each story is told through its own little vignette, which has its own unique gameplay elements that go along with it that make it just really diverse and interesting to play each one. And we still haven't gotten to the one that I think is like a true masterpiece of gameplay innovation. But um, yeah, they each have their own little little thing going on. Yeah. Mm. Right. And so we're talking about this uh, – well, we're talking about this family, right? And and we had just talked during the break about how it's really nice to have the visual up there of this tree just because, like, I, I thought to myself there was no way I could remember all these characters. But what was really interesting is when I went back after having beaten it and I thought to myself, I don't think I remember all those characters. And I thought, like, I need to go replay some stories just to make sure I'm really, like, dialed in. And I went through and I remembered every character and every story. Mm-hmm. Once I actually yeah. looked through the list, I was like, wait a minute. And I went through every single character. And this little drawing on this map is really evocative of who they are, but also potentially how they die, too. Um, and it's just beautiful in that way. The, that's the only one that I didn't know um, was Odin. So that's the one. That's the reason why I jumped back. And I was like, oh, it was actually in that viewfinder thing. But mm-hmm. but ev- But everything else is just like oh my God, it's the space guy with the swing. Like, it's obvious. Or like, oh, it's a hunting guy. Like, yes. Or like Walter with the can. Like, every single one of these I remembered um, pretty vividly once I actually went through the list. Yeah. I think that's just like... And I think probably like their unique gameplay to each story it helps with that too because they all have such a, like, a unique flavor to them that yeah. I think it helps you remember exactly who they are and what they are and how they died and what their little story is. Yeah. All right. Like, do you guys feel similar about this? Like, do you feel similar when you look at this list? Like, I have a great idea of all these individual characters and what happened to them. Like, you may not yeah. know all the small details, yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, okay. Well, and I definitely think it's because of, you know, what, what you, to reiterate, just the the mini games, because each different death evokes a different gameplay ability and a different feeling as you're playing through it. And I think it just really just helps cement those experiences in your mind. So when you think back on them they kind of come clear to mind like i feel like if they all followed the same formula like if they were all told through dying letters a la walter's right. path like mm-hmm. i don't think it nearly would have been as significant uh totally we would all kind of we because mm-hmm. also one thing i find so amazing is that as we're recounting all this stuff like everyone here 
I mean, everyone is in like James McCoy and Elena, like we're all recounting quotes from the game mm-hmm. vividly. Yeah. Whereas I feel like in other games, we're like, oh, they say something along the lines of like, maybe this, I kind of forget. But like, I feel like this game does such a good job at just making these instances so memorable that we have the lines already cemented in our heads in the cadence in which they were told, which I just think is beautiful. Yes. And Uh, and very unique. Part of it has to do with, I think, the pacing of the way that it feels like you crank the gears of the story. So it's like especially like in a lot of instances where you're walking through, like I'm thinking now about like when you get into the library, finally, like you crawl under that little like side space mm-hmm. and then you like take a couple of steps and on your you know, right side up against some books, there's like a line. And then it like, it's just that line is propelling you to the next line in the story that you want to hear. And you walk some more steps and it's like to your left, there's the next line. And then you walk further around the corner to the right. There's the third line, but it's like, I at least felt compelled to try to walk at the pace and the cadence that the story could mm-hmm. continue to hit its mm. lines. And I wasn't perfect at it, but it was my cadence. Like I was controlling that. And so the lines would each hit like a fucking bell or something, you know, just boom, line. Because you, it, it's like it just felt like each line could land like that with the way that they spaced them, timed them. And then for many of them, you crank the mechanism to actually get there. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the fact that these lines stand with us is is something to be considered more. Like it's powerful. Um, and definitely it's good writing, but it's also like economy of writing. Like it's not, there's not infinite writing everywhere. That's all great. And it's spacing of how it's done and it's the way it lands and... And then, of course, yeah, I guess that's under good writing, but just what it fucking means, man. Mm-hmm. Like when yeah. a line like some of these like mean something to you and are beautiful and poetic, um, they stick because they meet like they really encapsulate it. So, oof. yeah. By the so way, so then we have a first. Oh, oh yeah. I would, no, no. I was just going to say, like, speaking of a really, really short story that doesn't <laughs> overstay its welcome. But. Oh, I was gonna. Yeah. I was gonna quickly compare the, um, the way this game allows you to control the pace of the story versus Call of Duty, where <laughs> your job is door opener. <laughs> yeah, Feels they can. They allow you mean. to control the pace of the story by forcing you to open the doors when there's like six troops waiting at the door. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, but we can't progress this until you get here, so you can take your time. Yeah, you can take your time and just, uh, yeah, that was always so silly because it was just like, can anyone else open doors here? And they're like, no. And then, <laughs> yeah. like later in the story, like the main character is capable of opening yeah, doors. And that like, one guy. a fucking baller. Yeah. He, he, door he opens me. like one door. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That was the most heroic thing he did. But yeah, no, it's true. But like, the God, the way these, I, I cannot underscore enough how powerful it was that the the amazingly paced, et cetera, and written writing is in world, framed on an object, on the scenery in a beautiful way. I cannot underscore it enough. It is fucking amazing. Yeah, and it never felt like, I want to say token-y, but it's not quite the right word. But like, I was worried when they first started doing it that that might just be like a- Repetitive, maybe? Yeah, repetitive or like, like a weird- 
something that was like thrown in but like didn't feel good you know what i mean like they were like oh it's super quirky i'm gonna make the text on the screen and i was like if it if it didn't work it would have been annoying and it would have retracted it would have taken away from the game i think um but it never felt like that it always felt like it fit in really well and it wasn't just like some kind of like thing that they threw in but it was like a really well integrated part of the game in the way that it led you around and pointed you at things and had you compose shots um it's just really well done i i would have been satisfied if this entire game from a text standpoint had exclusively been the animation where when you walk near it or maybe some of them that are farther away they need to do it on their own they just like get knocked away like that was just the most satisfying Mm -hmm. thing i've ever seen but like this game is too good for that shit they're that's they're not going to stop there just like they're not going to stop there with the same gameplay for every single story or they're not going to stop there from the same narrative device for every single story by just a poem from someone who's alive like no 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 they're going to vary it up in a way that is beautiful and different like they're going to do all sorts of different stuff with that text all the way to the end of the game mm-hmm. they're still playing with that concept and i think it started as one of the coolest concepts i've ever seen and they just like dude they innovated on their own innovation like it's just like their <laughs> that their level with this text thing at least to me is like just so far beyond um yeah. So sorry. But yeah. You were taking so, us. Yeah. I was going to say, so there's kind of a, a, a weird, like a, a first happens in this game after Gus's death and that we get to see how Dawn lived in the house. But the important thing to differentiate here is that Dawn doesn't have a death scene in this house. Mm-hmm. Instead, you get to learn that Dawn moved away from her dead sibling's room she moved up into the loft uh and there's a lot of context clues as to what dawn ended up doing so you see uh in in the loft there she is you know arranging to escape this family in a way and she travels to india as soon as she turns 18 uh and goes to college so she travels to india to start building houses um, where there she meets what will become her husband, Sanjay. Um, and these, are, these aren't these are told to us. Uh, like, I think Edith does say some uh, establishing lines, such as, like, you know, Dawn met, or, you know, my, my mom met Sanjay, like, a year later. She was pregnant with Louis. Like, to kind of give you the context of, like, this is how things are progressing there. But the important thing is that Dawn is like one of the first family members to actually just escape from the house fully mm-hmm. um, by moving out to India. Uh, yeah. But you later then realize, uh, you, you later then learn that Sanjay, because he is working as a disaster relief worker, he dies uh, helping people after an earthquake uh, in one of India's provinces. And after Sanjay dies, Dawn moves her family back to Edie's house because that is the only thing she knows and she has nowhere else to go as a result. Uh, so then Dawn just finds herself back in this house to which then they create even more additions as Dawn, Lewis, Milton, and Edith uh, move into the house. Um, and... This is also where we learn about Milton, the kid who we've seen the missing posters of. All we know about Milton is that Edie, great-grandma Edie, is happy to have another painter in the family, so she builds Milton a castle 
to live in and it's cool looking it's It's very different from the rest of the house too it's like because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just white mm-hmm. it's like this pure white castle and it's very uncluttered and there's like no giant you know every other room is filled with knickknacks and super cluttered and tons of books and milton's room is like mm-hmm. this weird like super white almost like mo- it's like really kind of like modern yeah, so, and then it's got, it like, does have a lot of his paintings walls. in it, and like he has lots of paintings. Yeah, he's really good at painting for a twelve-year-old. Like he is, yeah, clearly. Like prodigy. what the fuck? <laughs> and you also see his paintings all throughout the house as well in the secret mm-hmm. passageways. You yeah. you'll see. I think he paints a jack o' lantern outside Barbara's room. He paints a cat outside of Molly's room, um, and a a swing outside another room. Yep, outside of Calvin's room, right. Calvin and Sam's room, he paints a swing. So he clearly so knows how hints. they all died. <laughs> exactly. True. So, True. And, and and notably, as I we harken back to the beginning, Dawn sealed up all the rooms after Milton disappeared, and that might have been because Milton exposed himself to the stories, and Dawn believes that has something to do with how he disappeared mm-hmm. um it's yeah. because he learned about the stories that you know that led to his disappearance um and so milton like all we know is that milton disappeared uh dawn refuses to believe that he's dead um but at the same time like so so the only thing that's done is that milton's tombstone doesn't have a death date on it right uh, only has his birth date and it's not um, a grave it's a memorial uh, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. A there's phrase some about distinction that. Yeah. yeah that they say exactly and Although, so wow, all that's we learn about it so different when it's like because i was imagining Edie grieving to put up that tombstone but now there's this like cloud of joy and excitement that the stories are back sort of thing when this happens yeah yeah maybe hmm. um yeah, and so all we get about Milton's disappearance is just done through a flip book that you find, um, which is the flip book, by the way, is really cool because yeah. they uh, animated each page separately. So it actually works like a real flip book. Like you can stop flipping and do it more slowly. Mm-hmm. Like I always thought yeah. when I flipped through it the first time, I thought it was just an animation that they played mm-hmm. uh, to make it like look like a flip book. But you could actually really slow it down and they have painted each individual pane of a flip book which is yeah. really cool to, like it, this is the level of detail that they do yeah. with it's this game wood. Uh, yeah um wow. and so yeah all you really see about this flip book is you know it shows milton he's painting uh he receives a golden paintbrush or just a special paintbrush where he paints a door he goes through it it closes it and that is the end mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, and i think at some point earlier he gets into a flip book or like paints a flip book or like some weird meta flip book i don't remember that at all i think i saw that in the second week but yeah dude and this story is so short it's so short and it just shows you that they're not afraid they, they don't mm-hmm. they're not sitting there saying these stories should be 20 minutes each mm-hmm. there's yeah. no should be there's how do right. we craft this to land the end and right. yeah that and again, is it's so like delightful such a cool little like mini it's not that wasn't even a mini game but like just a little mini vignette of what that is and i yeah. think that milton's also a character who's kind of been like sprinkled throughout the game because Definitely. you see him you don't see him but you see 
references to him so many times from his paintings and Edith references him because he's the reason the rooms got sealed up and you see you know you kind of like he's one of those characters who you actually know something about um yeah yeah oh absolutely it's just it's awesome it's awesome the whole the getting a going up the rope to get up to the top of also his that, castle these oh, additions yeah. are the sketchiest additions ever put on a house no the sketchy well yeah i agree but we're getting to the sketchy one which is like a boat on the that's fucking true. side that's true <laughs> they're all crazy but like these this last tier of additions i feel like are super crazy but they're oh, also yeah. by the way i would just underscore the most childhood wonder ever it's like living at the very tippy top of a crazy treehouse it's so yeah. fucking cool I would love to live there if I could get in writing from God that I would not die. <laughs> and uh, by the way, you cannot for this game. <laughs> not for this family. Yeah, um, not for this family. Afraid not. Um, but do, and yeah, so yeah. like Milton's death or or disappearance is just kind of left to ambiguity. Um, and the internet you theories? never really truly figure it out. Um, it is, though, uh, a hearkening back to Giant, Giant Sparrow's first game of uh, The Unfinished Swan which is a uh, game about having a white canvas and splashing black paint on it. Um, you know, there's theories that Milton disappears to become the king in that game. Um, so, you know, and given that Milton has a crown. I was about to say, he is wearing a crown here. in this little picture that I'm looking at of him. Also, like, right. all of his paintings are a white background with black, yeah. like, silhouette. Exactly. Which is a, a very developed reference. style. I don't know. Yeah. So he's what the I, one where I'm like, this is not a this is not the right age. Yeah. Mm. Um Yeah, his paintings are yeah. very advanced. I want <laughs> so desperately a not to be a painting, but a image reproduction printed, say, of We've also at this point learned that Sorry for interrupting, but we've learned that Edith is pregnant by this point. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I realize we forgot to mention this as well. Um, yeah. She admits, well, admits is the wrong word. She she admits that she would not have come to the island if she knew there was going to be this much climbing while 22 weeks pregnant. Yep. Um, and sure enough, if you look down, you see she has a bit of a tummy. Oh, really? Yes, and, out. and she's seventeen. She's very. Uh, she's nineteen, eighteen or nineteen, I think. Oh no, this she's takes 18. place in. She, this takes place in what year? Twenty sixteen. Actually, twenty seventeen. So she would be. She would be eighteen. Okay. Yeah. She was born in nineteen ninety nine. For an eighteen year old, she's very. Um. I don't know. Wise? Like like matter of fact about being pregnant just like there's just like a very like casual kind of like a matter of factness to this whole family yeah right. you think about it like she is the only one left in her family at this point like her mom's died her grandma's died both of her brothers are gone everybody else you know yeah I and only like... one can survive in each generation it feels like so her yeah, kid might does... be safe you know yeah as long as she doesn't have another one right wow yeah that's a crazy concept. Imagine if you knew that as the parent. You're like, let's have another. I mean, it and... does appear to be that way. If you look at this family tree, <laughs> yeah. one of them, one of them makes it. <laughs> wait, so can we explain this? Sorry, what? this is a real rule? Okay, wait. So Edie makes it, but then who makes it in this second Sam. 
Sam makes it? No, yeah. Sam falls off the. But he well, lives yeah, long but he makes kids. it long enough to have kids. And then oh. Don only one Wait. only one person guess, in yeah, each generation right. is able to have kids. I see what you mean. Is able, that's what you mean by make it because I'm like no one makes it, right? Yeah. Question mark. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah but I mean, everyone dies in the really long run. It, yeah. Mm-hmm, right. Okay. Well, this got existential, but I guess that's not really so far <laughs> yeah. from this game now, is it? Uh, but right. this is also so again. It it's kind of what I'm talking about the generational like oh frivolousness and just kind of living on the edge of danger like edith is 22 weeks pregnant but it's not stopping her from fucking climbing trees and walking on rooftops and like all all for the sake of just discovering secrets um, secret's pretty cool though you know, yeah like, the shit's pretty interesting not pretty lie. compelling secrets <laughs> it's, yeah. it, it is compelling sure but but uh, i mean it's it's also just kind of the i want to say the disregard that they have uh, or or just the lack of fear that they have of death where they just are so willing to just kind of put themselves out there um, yeah you know just kind to of like an inevitability sort of thing do what they want exactly i might as well do this Right. Maybe, yeah. She is matter of fact and about so, her death. True. Yeah, very true. Um, but now, we're, now we're at the. I think what we're all kind of excited to talk about. Um, the greatest. Be, uh, Edith's brother Lewis's death. Um, Lewis's is the. I mean, I guess before great grandma Edie, um, Lewis's is like the freshest death. Um, aside from great grandma Edie and Edith's mom, Dawn. Um, but it is said by Edith that she and Lewis were super close. Um, and you get to go into Lewis's uh, boat on the side of the house. You know, the thing that McCoy is just like losing his mind because it's not up to code. Um, <laughs> but um, and, and it's like, you know, you go into it and it is such like a, 19 20 year olds just stoner dead it's yeah. like black lights on the wall like mm-hmm. drug paraphernalia everywhere video legalized games. marijuana yeah big posters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly um and and this is a um a hookah <laughs> yep <laughs> right in the center mm-hmm. also yeah. exactly we've like kind of mentioned but um all of these this generation is um half indian right mm-hmm. um sanjay yeah and um uh there's a an indian flag in lewis's um room and um when you look at it edith says he was so proud to be indian like it made him not just a finch, I think, is that, yeah. that's what she said. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was interesting for something a little bit further down the line. Right. It kind of symbolizes that attempt at breaking away that Dawn did and the impact it had on this family. And it, it, at least it instilled this sense of, you know, like... I say otherness, but I mean it in, like, a very positive way where it's just, like, okay, like, there's something besides a curse out there mm-hmm. for yeah. at least our family. Um, but is there? <laughs> yeah, but is there? That's the question. So, 
Uh, Lewis's death is told through a letter from his psychiatrist to Don. Um, and it is by far the coolest bit of gameplay I think I've ever experienced where she talks about Lewis, uh, Lewis in an attempt to get Lewis to kind of like get his life on track because all he's doing is sitting in his room, just probably smoking weed and playing video games. Uh, Dawn gets him a job at a fish cannery. And so you control Lewis as he is taking these fillet, uh, these, these fish and you're sticking it under this, uh, basically this blade that chops off the fish head and then you shove the fish body onto a conveyor belt. And so with your, for, for mouse and keyboard, it's your mouse. Uh, for the controller, it is the right analog stick as you're just controlling this movement of going, grabbing the fish, putting it under, tossing it away. Uh, and then the psychiatrist talks about while he's at this cannery, he begins to, you know, he, he started to daydream. So the left side of your screen kind of becomes this dreamy, imaginary world where you control this prince on his, you know, on, on a on a journey of his own, on a mission. And it is completely mind-fucky in a way where mm-hmm. you still have to do the movements on your right hand of putting the fish under, you know, doing your day job, but then with your left hand, you're controlling this fantastical character through this fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it starts off 2D, and then it kind of comes, uh, I forget that kind of perspective. I think. I, yeah, it yeah. becomes an isometric, mm-hmm. you know, perspective and it gets more 3D as more time and the world gets to be more vibrant and more alive and there's more things to see and do. And what I just find so lovely about it is, you know, the psychiatrist makes a note in her letters of, you know, Lewis finds himself getting lost in the daydream. And sure enough, you're so focused on the left-hand side as you're going through this world and the detail with it that you look down and you realize you've got three fish things that you still have to put under mm-hmm. the chopper and toss away. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm stealing everyone's thunder, I guess, and talking about this. So like, what did you guys think about this bit of gameplay? Cause I just thought it perfectly encapsulated this feeling of needing to do monotonous day-to-day work, but wanting to dream. It absolutely did. I mean, it's on, unbelievable like yeah. it's just and, and every, every part of it's amazing like the fact that you're doing two things at once is amazing the fact that you're like the the journey that you go through on on the left side just the, how fantastical and amazing that is but mm-hmm. also like the imagery there of like he realized he could just become a king in that world so why not and then everyone's bowing to you mm-hmm. as you're walking through and there's just like you walk into this one room where there's like thousands of soldiers it feels like on each side perfectly placed in rows and just watching them um and he's choosing his narrative over there where he has no choice on the other side it's like all these amazing things but the other thing that i really love that i do want to point out about this is the therapist talking about because the therapist appeared to like love this guy mm-hmm. and like really want this guy to do well and talking about how she ended up getting essentially baited by the cannery manager saying that he was like the exemplary worker mm-hmm. like he was, he's super efficient and he's able to he's able to do his job very well and he's very focused and it's just such yeah. a perfect example of like like just be, like just because you're 
good at your yeah exactly like basically everything the the manager says about this guy's performance is like the wrong read on him as a person and it ends up yeah convincing the therapist mm-hmm. not to do anything and and they end up losing like the battle it's just mm-hmm. like all because he's like very focused it's like he is not very focused at all obviously just because his work appears that yeah. way like focus is like the exact opposite of what i would describe what he is but also like you know it's just it's he just, just doesn't just, need to spend his brain on moving your hand from one side of the yeah, it's, he's of, so automatic. of a fucking table to the other but then he's able to, to do it for so long because he's just like He's yeah. doing he's doing that movement as a vehicle to his fantasy world. Yeah, and I actually wonder yeah. if there's almost and then a occasionally a fish would appear in the fantasy world. Yeah, yeah, and that he'd was slice it open cool like the doors would break and yeah. as a bear as oh my a, a barrier to mm-hmm. entry to whatever the next thing is. Yeah, but I would just say like I don't know if you guys noticed this in yourself, but there's like a meditative component to this gameplay mm-hmm. section where like. At first, I really struggled with doing two things at once because I had to focus so much on the fish uh, side of it because mm-hmm. I felt like I was, it was that was really hard. And so I was like walking into walls and shit. And eventually, I didn't have to anymore. Yeah, it just kind of fades away. Yeah, eventually, I was just I doing it. I hit the like flow state. Yeah, it was almost like a mantra. I was doing both at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it was like, yeah, exactly. But I, but I wasn't doing both at once. I was just in the dream world. Mm-hmm. And the fishes were just cutting themselves, it seems. And that's exactly what they want you oh, to feel yeah, for this. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the fish that's was kinda, just. That's kind of, I guess, yeah. what I meant. <laughs> no, yeah. I Yeah. I just, yeah. Like my right hand was just mm-hmm. doing. And my brain was just just trying not to crash the ship along the shore. You know, And eventually all of the visual space is taken up by the imagination but yeah, you keep going that. with the How fish and, and you grows. can hear the sound yeah. yeah you can hear the sound if you keep going with your right hand mm-hmm. yes um and then um as he as he realizes more and more that that the the world that he wanted to live in was the imaginary. Um, he goes to get married to his chosen spouse and um, who is holding the crown for him. And the only thing he needed to do was oh. yeah. kneel down and accept the crown. Yeah. And it's through a guillotine. It's through a guillotine. Or potentially a fish... I mean, I think, well, yeah, yeah I think that the, that's the parallel there is the parallel yeah. is that he he one day put his head where the fish heads go. Yeah. Oh man. I think. I mean, it was just this is just the most masterful piece of gameplay sequence that I think yeah. maybe I've ever seen. Like this part to me yeah. stuck out as just like an instantaneous gold star. Like this should win every award out there. It's so, <laughs> it's so well, it's, it's so perfect. It's mm-hmm. so well done. Mm-hmm. Like the way that the gameplay just perfectly matches the narrative and the story, and it develops. It's just so beautifully yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. And and, um, and the the fact that the player starts to feel the monotony and then mm-hmm. starts to. But also, like like James was mentioning, you do hear the sound of the, I guess, fish guillotine yeah. going. And if you're putting that off to your subconscious or whatever, or perhaps just your body to do that part of it, then it's very rhythmic. 
because you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so your body just creates a cadence of it. And so then there's just this like, yeah, that's just, that's, and dude, this section is not, I mean, it may not be long, but it's not short. No, I think it's one of the, I think it's one of the longer ones in the game. That's what it felt like to me. I guess I don't know if that's accurate. It's really slow to progress Mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. And it's really like, again, like methodical and like, yeah, like that, that pace. It it tells the whole story of like his journey through this world from like, I mean, Zoe already said it, but like when you start, you're in like kind of like like two bit kind of like old, it looks like Mm -hmm. old school video game style, Mm -hmm. like dungeon-y kind of thing. But it just, it tells the whole story of how he progresses and, you know, conquers and builds towns. And it's very, it's just, yeah, it's long and methodical and it really shows the progression of his kind of descent into this imaginary world but also like how this world grows and takes over your screen it's just everything about it is so good i do think they hint kind of that it is either in his mind or it potentially is a video game that he's making or something or perhaps a combination of the two especially when we were playing it you were like oh so is he a a video game developer and we were like yeah maybe that's it and i don't know why but the well the reason why i thought of that is just because i kept thinking like Comparison to Lorelai, I feel like they did it better. Like the the video game meta insert, the developer insert. Yeah, oh, God. The, de- the developer insert in Lorelai was painful. I think in I think at his desktop computer in his place there were like hard drives or something that were labeled obscure things that could be maybe video games or whatnot. I I definitely know like his keyboard had like the WASD key highlighted on it like he had a keyboard skin so like he was definitely into video games and there were certainly video game elements in that fantasy world like resting at the bonfire for dark souls and then there were uh you know riding the flagpole down like mario does yeah yeah Um, yeah Yeah, good point so like i i could see i i can see that kind of theory that maybe he was creating a the thing is, I don't think it would be him creating a game only because then he could devote his time to that and not want to maybe end his life. Maybe. He was imagining but himself like, as a game character. Yeah. Right. Like in it's like in it was a game world. Better than, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. This definitely was the story that, that affected me the most. Um, but one thing kind of took me out of it a little bit was that his character in the game was white and blonde. And I was like, wait a minute, this guy's super proud of being Indian. And, and was he blonde? Yeah. Oh, well, the prince was, I guess the prince was blonde. The, yeah. yeah. And I was like, this guy's super proud of his heritage, um, of, of his father who is distinctly not white. Um, and, so it was weird to me that the developers chose to like make this fantasy guy blonde. Um, well, I yeah. but, you could choose to write them a letter about this detail and start with your story of your own family jumping off a second story building, and I think they grab their attention, <laughs> and I think they might they might listen. <laughs> so I think you've got the best shot out of all of us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um i'm sure there's though. an argument huh. that like despite being half indian the rest of his family is norwegian yeah nope. but yeah but, yeah so like but he very well could have been proud of being indian but also been, been blonde hmm. 
Yeah, I didn't but, notice this. But being yeah. blonde, I believe blonde is a, a, regr- a regressive trait. Yeah, I have no um, idea. It's one of the ones where both sides of your family need that gene. Yeah. He doesn't um, look blonde in were... his portrait. <laughs> <laughs> there, no. I think there were also hints as well that he was struggling with his own sexuality as well, considering that one of the options you can do is whether he's going to pursue a beautiful prince or a handsome princess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the handsome um, princess is an mm-hmm, interesting descriptor, mm-hmm. isn't it? Right, yeah, handsome princess, beautiful prince, you know, kind of interchange like that. Notably, I what I thought <laughs> interesting, so I chose the handsome princess, but notably I noticed uh, after his story, I zoomed in on the letter to kind of reread some stuff, and I guess the canon text in there is prince. Hmm. Interesting. Um, fun fact. I didn't notice that. Um, hmm. I did hmm. think that was interesting. Um, but yeah, so I think that kind of further symbolizes just this kind of like inner battle he's having with himself, um, just in terms of just a lot of shit happening in his life. But I think like, James, you mentioned like you're like, this one really resonates. I think it resonates with a lot of us, mm-hmm. at least a yeah. lot of us right now in our young adult age where it's just... At this point in our lives, we know what it's like to have a job that has that mundane, that has that monotony. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why it really, I think, resonates with us so much. And resonate, and I, I just think they did such a good job of just encapsulating that feeling. Like, whoever came up with that concept mm-hmm. needs a fucking raise and, like, all the awards because, like, they... I wonder how scared they were to do something that's like a tandem movement, like, you know, to, oh, we're going to have somebody like control something with this joystick yeah. while also controlling the other. But like they had a shit ton of play testers for one. So clearly it worked enough that they didn't feel the need to tweak it. Um, but, you know, just props to them. They They did an excellent job at that. Mm-hmm. again dude this is a fucking walking simulator and they are just blowing the fucking doors off this genre <laughs> like yeah. it's crazy yeah. um yeah it's actually incredible yeah and by the way this scene doesn't need to be in this game for me to give it this game an amazingly high no review. this game is great all the way up to this point but then this point i mean like when we played it out yeah. i mean we like stopped for a minute afterwards and we're just like that was so fucking good yeah oh yeah um oh yeah it's i think it's to, at least to me it stands out amongst this already really great game as being like just the one of like one of the moments in video games that i think is the most impressive that i've ever mm-hmm. played or I didn't play it because mm-hmm. I probably couldn't do that movement mechanic, but that I was able, able to, to watch. <laughs> yeah. Worst you could. Worst. I don't think there's a way to fail at it. I think no. it just. Yeah. It wouldn't have just been as elegant trying. as McCoy's, but. I would say. But, you know. Worst comes at least to... in the 2D space, I was definitely walking into corners on the left-hand side as I was yeah. focused on the right. And I looked over, I'm like, oh, mm. wait, I'm in a corner. No, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> like... No, exactly. It's it's just so funny. Like, when you introduced this, you were like, I think this is the moment we've all been waiting for. And then I was just struck by this idea of, like, this game is so good and it's so compelling that they could just, like, with 
uh, standing tall and, and great pride just hide this till practically the fucking end. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't need to open with this to get you here. No. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And, like, that is something that I could see an editor, perhaps, or something like that being like, look, realistically, your game fucking sucks. You have to open this amazing scene that everyone loves. And then just hope they play the rest of it. Yeah. But it's like, no, it's yeah. not even close to that. Everything is mm-hmm. compelling and different and unique all the way through. It's so funny. It reminds me of this um, interview that they did way, way, way long time ago with the people who made Halo. And they were like, how did you make Halo so awesome? And they're like, well, here's what we did. Here was our design philosophy. We made five minutes of incredibly interesting, uh, fun gameplay. And then we replicated it over 10 hours. And like that was celebrated and was in fact copied and used for many, many years. And that shit sickens me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just that, that sentence makes me so scared. I mean, dude, it's true. Like I do get that. Yes, I do play some multiplayer games that you could maybe describe that way. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, this game is so the antithesis of that design yeah, philosophy is two actually to three crazy. hours of really incredibly unique gameplay and unique storytelling the entire way through mm-hmm. like there's nothing yeah. in this game that you ever do twice really yeah sort of, i mean sort of there are but but and and it's the way that all the pieces come together like like the way like for instance take what might be the most boring piece of gameplay which is not boring at all but it's like being in the basement and opening the can of peaches over and over and over and over mm-hmm. again um and like there's nothing boring about that because no, first of all eating the peaches is fucking weird it is weird it's fucking it's a little <laughs> uncomfortable yeah but like also like no the- he doesn't eat the peaches he drinks the peach like peaches water first lets them fall on his face and then eats the peaches yeah. i also like, i don't know if any of you guys have this issue that I have with cans, I am very shut up, McCoy. McCoy's laughing at me already because I actually brought this up like three or four days ago before we had played this game. But I, I, every time I open up a can, I have this like not fantasy, but like vision of myself trauma response, trauma response of myself. Like I can imagine myself running my finger along the inside of the can and cutting it really Wait, badly. Wait, I do the same thing. Yeah, See? Oh, yeah. No, no. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. I have like a physical, like I can feel it in my body yeah. right now. Like I'm yeah. very uncomfortable and I'm like- It's a paper cut. It's, but it's like so much worse. But so every time he would do Is that Is it camper, one of those things- where like it's it's so awful that you just see yourself doing it yeah. so yeah, much. Yeah, like putting you your hand in, I, in a blender. And I, <laughs> like I also have the same thing about putting my hand <laughs> yeah. in a blender. Every time I get out the blender to use it, I like it's like it's like a repeated vision. Um, and yeah. I have the same thing with cans. And anytime McCoy opens a can, I have to stop myself from telling him not to put his finger in it because I like am panicked that he's gonna. Anyways, yeah. it's a whole thing. Mm. I haven't dealt with it yet. Maybe I'll get there someday. But the point is that every time Walter would open that can and then put it so close to his face, I had that same like very visceral like, ooh, he's going to touch it and he's going to get hurt. Kind of re- like gonna cut I was lips. very worried about his tongue. I was like, what if he's, I don't know. I'm getting too into it now. I'm starting to freak myself out. But I had a really hard time with that particular section for a very specific reason. What if he uses his tongue to get the peaches out of the can? Yeah. Like, and like, what if he Jesus runs his tongue Christ. around the edge and like slices his tongue, right? It's horrible. Take practice. <clears throat> yeah. Anyways, that was a side tangent um, that we probably didn't need. But yeah. um, that's okay. how I felt. Yeah. So, all right. So then that, I mean, that... <laughs> That does it for the game, everybody. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, be careful when opening those uh, cans. Cans oh, are like, great. Really, really oh. do. You're gonna have to get skid to Yeah. 
Yeah, dude. No, so uh, we finally we finally get to the end. So Edith finally makes her way up to her own bedroom, and then we kind of forget that the story starts with a character not Edith opening a book and Edith saying, "This is a story that I wish I could tell you." Um, yeah. Did you know the first time around that wasn't Edith? I thought maybe she was still in the process of writing it or something. I don't know. I yeah, didn't, I thought like... it was Edith. Oh. Yeah, me too. Okay. okay. Uh. The thing was, not really, because I saw it was a juvenile cast, like a young kid cast. But to be honest, for the first time I played through, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, like, for some yeah. reason, like I had replaced Edie's or Edith's character as being the one to open the book at the beginning, which, you know, doesn't really make sense because Edith is known for these uh, fingerless gloves that she wears like mm-hmm. everywhere, I guess. But like, mm-hmm. I just never made that connection. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you kind of forget that it's not actually Edie, Edith's character that has opened up this book that Edith is narrating. Uh, and so uh, the game kind of, quote unquote, ends, at least on Edith's part, with her you know, climbing onto her bed and opening up a notebook and starting to write down everything that she has narrated from the beginning of this game to this point. Um, and then we get a birth scene. <laughs> yeah. How, how, do you, how do you guys like I forgot about that. No one kind of tilted me. I looked, at Mc- I, I looked at McCoy and I go, if this is a birth canal, I'm out. And I was just like, I, it is. I don't want to explain to you how I know that, but I know that. <laughs> so it's, you are playing as the camera, which is going towards the light. through this like weird pink canal. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, like towards that. this opening um and you like do you have to push forward or does it just push you forward uh, i don't know i don't know i believe you have to i think you have to hold the forward forward button. yeah and it like slowly goes forward as she's yeah talking to you right Right, mm-hmm. she she actually like it, it's un it's unfortunate that like there's some I guess that like there's this kind of weird realization of what's going on because the words that she says are actually very poignant as well where yeah. she's just like I really wish I could be around to tell you these stories but if you're reading these words then mm-hmm. that means it didn't I work didn't out make it yeah that it didn't work out yeah um. And, and it's just, it's very interesting. So I guess we can maybe start a little bit of discussion, but basically, you know, the, the store, the game then ends with the camera panning out on the same kid that opened up the book in the first place. And he is laying some flowers that he has in his hand on a grave that says Edith Finch uh, died 2016. Uh, and you realize that that kid is her son. Mm-hmm. Um and it just brings up this interesting point because, you know, w- Edith had said in the intermission how she was so worried how the stories themselves um, were the problem. And it, it actually, I guess before the birth scene, it hearkens, there, there's an, one more flashback scene that happens between Edith, her mom, and her grandma her great grandma, I suppose, um, at the at their last dinner shortly after Lewis's funeral, uh, where um, 
Edie tells Edith that she has a surprise for her in the library. Mm -hmm. Um, As Edith is going to find the surprise, uh, you know, as McCoy said, I think earlier, like, this is when Edie says the tongue-in-cheek, the grown-ups need to fight now. Mm -hmm. Like, please, you know, run along now. And you hear uh, Edie tell Dawn, you know, Edith has a right to know these stories. And Dawn responds saying, my children are dead because of your stories. Um, which then, you know, again, turns the sinister tone towards, you know, are telling these stories helping or harming, you know, these people's livelihoods, you know, like, is learning about a curse a good thing? Or does it become a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, if you get too entrenched in these stories? Um, Because, you know, Milton disappears and Dawn believes that's because he is exposed himself to the stories and lewis lost himself into this fantasy world that was was it a fantasy world that was sparked by hearing these tales of the curse um and so then it's interesting that edith decides at the end to tell these stories to her son uh and therefore like the cycle continues you know it's it's one of those themes of you know the circle's not unbroken it's just going to go on um yeah, yeah. I, except that Edie's yeah. dead potentially so it's like maybe not like yeah but i don't think Edie, i mean this has been going on for 500 years before Edie. yeah well yeah it's it, i i there is also this feeling of like it's done now because you're the only one left. Like, so, for some reason, it mm. feels like because you're like the only one. there used to be one. more of us, but now there's just you, so you're probably okay. Yeah, like, you, there's, there is yeah. this feeling of, like, maybe you made it just because you're far enough away from all of this, whereas it was the family and the house, and you're not out the house, you know? And so, like, there, yeah, there's this extra component of, like, all of these factors together here at this house, like, really makes this bad but like you've made it past so just no or something now it's not to say that that doesn't mean the cycle doesn't continue mm-hmm. but it just there is this air of hope to it a little bit also of like you you, you made it yeah. um, it's crazy like like this whole game was super reminiscent of when i had to like clear my dad's house out and i'd like go through all of his things and you just like you pick up artifacts, man, mm-hmm. and you like learn histories that you didn't even know about, like the family, and like you see the rooms and the house, and like it. And it was like a family house, and it's uh, a family house with additions, by the way. Fun fact. Um, it's just like it's so intensely. Next a- time we travel there, there's gonna be like ten more additions. Like, hey, guys, <laughs> yeah. like, I-, I found this boat. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, we thought we'd just throw it up on the top. Oh no. Yeah, exactly. It's like a cool, super cool place to go smoke weed. There's an indoor archery range, like somewhere. <laughs> That's where I'll be memorialized. But yeah, like it's, it, it's so evocative of that. It's actually crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, and I just think like that's a very human experience. Also, like from back to front, this just feels like. I guess the best way I've described it is like it feels like people had really powerful experiences in their life and then bothered to like actually. I don't know, A, remember them, even from when they were very young, but really intensely remember not just the events, but the feelings and the experience of it. And just 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 people who paid attention to to life in a really intense way. Like 
like like again like i said like the fucking bathtub scene like that's so basic but like dude that fucking lands so hard for me i'm like mm-hmm. god damn it i remember this like i remember like the water like getting colder and i remember adding more water but then it would hit that like drain thing that like circular thing that like mm-hmm. you know it'll drain so it passed a certain point by the way to potentially stop this problem <laughs> um but like and i remember just like how many I mean, it must have been hours of my life if you add it up for a couple of years that I just spent, like, there. Just, like, chilling, thinking, having fun. Just, like, dude, I've forgotten all that shit. Mm -hmm. But this game and these writers did not. Um, And I feel that way about so many different human experiences. It's like, these writers did not forget about this. Like, they they saw this with such an intense detail. They they got to the core of, like, humanity. It's like, even just going through the house afterwards when everything is said and done, even that itself is, mm-hmm. is such a powerful human experience oh yo this game's good bro um i think <laughs> yeah. it's something that i'm what was to stand on do you remember the tweet the the tweet the text <laughs> that i sent you immediately after i finished this game yes i do i believe it was i am destroyed by edith finch <laughs> yes um, there is nothing left of james <laughs> yeah what remains of James after this game? Um, it yeah. does kind of leave you with this feel. Yeah, just a very heavy feeling. Like, for a game that is only three hours. Potentially mm-hmm. less. Potentially less, indeed. Like, it's true. Like, I kind of left that just feeling, like, just the density of it all and the weight of that game. Like... It just leaves so much more behind than you would expect from that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. totally know how you feel, James. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this game definitely taught me that I have a serious fear of uh, my entire family dying and leaving me to be the last one behind. Yeah. Damn. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it definitely doesn't have a. I think you kind of feel like during this whole game that like maybe edith is the one who makes it you know because she's thought you know but um there's definitely no happy ending to this game yeah maybe maybe not i mean maybe there is maybe there is with that kid we don't i guess we don't know i guess there's hope at the end of the game but it's maybe not the happy ending that you were like kind of looking to get out of it but see like this is hmm again in comparison to call of duty right like but like call of duty had some sad shit in there Mm -hmm. bro um but like this is yes it's heavy definitely but it's like beautiful in its presentation Mm -hmm. and in its the way it plays with the ideas and so it's palatable yeah and i like appreciated it for what it is i'm thankful for that heaviness yeah you know what i'm saying i also wonder was partially because you and i played it together and i think like had each other like i think we just enjoyed the experience of it so much and we're so kind of like blown away by how good it was that we kind of came out with like a positive spin on it even though it is such a heavy subject and again like every every story that you play in this game every moment of this game everything that you look forward to is like ooh, let's go find the next room and find out how that person died yeah like it, it is very dark um but by the at the end of the game, I guess I wasn't left feeling super dark, super dark. Like I I, I ended yeah. and it was like sunny outside, and I was like, "This is so, 
this is a great it was such a great game i guess maybe but this is why mm. i would go like all the way back like many many years of my life ago but like this is why i always loved like artsy movies and shit even if they were sad like mm-hmm. I, I never thought it followed that experiencing something sad about life or the world means you must exclusively have a negative experience that you wish you didn't have Mm -hmm. like sometimes it can illuminate beauty in human life also and and sometimes it can just express the reality of things or like it can just take you on like you can do so many positive things in the area of you know sadness and heaviness and all those sorts of things and i think it's tougher and tougher and tougher, perhaps, and I don't know if that's because I'm an adult or, or if it's because of the news that I occasionally read, but it's tougher and tougher and tougher, it would seem, to enjoy those types of experiences that that sh- that basically you force yourself into the heaviness mm-hmm. of life. But I just think, like, God, there's so much beauty in there to be had. I don't ever want to become so afraid of them. Like, and it's weird because I, I don't like scary movies, right? And I totally understand, like, I would ne- I, I would why would I submit myself to being scared? I don't I can't answer that question. I will never I'm not going to. Um and that's why I'd break up with that dude in the basement. Um <laughs> because what the fuck? Um how could you scare me like that, bro? Um but like these sorts of experiences, especially the way it was so tastefully done and the way that there's so much beauty and positivity within mm-hmm. all of it. It's the total package of life in here. Like it's it's not just palatable, but it's like you do, what I'm trying to say is the disservice you could do to this game would be like, yeah, it's a story about a bunch of people who died and it's really sad. Like that, yeah, you know I what I mean? I, don't, like, I was thinking about it as you were talking. I don't think that this game is supposed to be sad. Um, in fact, I think they try really hard not to make it sad. Um, I think, like I agree with you, like, yeah. this is a re- it's a really beautiful game. And I think that all of these death scenes are meant to be really beautiful and showcase like the beautiful parts of these people's lives, like everything from like, I mean, even Sam's death, which I found pretty traumatizing, but that's like this beautiful camping trip with his daughter. And it's a really special scene. Um, and Molly's is like really childlike and has all this imagination, even Lewis's, right. Which I think all of us were very affected by. And I think is one that really hits hard as a, as an adult. Um, but Lewis's is also beautiful, right? He grows this like really beautiful imagination. It's this, it's this lovely story. And so, you know, I don't ever get the sense this game was supposed to be a tearjerker. It was supposed to, I don't think it was, you know, I don't think they wanted it to be really sad and heavy. I think they wanted it to be, I don't, the word light seems really wrong for a game like this, but I think it's supposed to be really beautiful yeah. and shine a light on yeah. that. And that's, I think what I got, that's what I ended up with as a feeling by the end of the game. I was like, this was just really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um not that and i think too like it may also be the time that we're playing this in in terms of like the world feels a little bit scary and heavy and i think but also, the time of our lives being like kind of young adults i think we like have a lot of anxiety and well i think we're also as a group maybe somewhat anxious people but um, <laughs> i think like all of those things play into also how we read these stories and how we view this game but yeah i don't know yeah yeah definitely definitely I liked it. oh yeah would you care Zoe, i'm sorry you, you've been leading this do you think we're at the rating stage i think we're there okay yeah um Bum, i know you guys don't play the theme music anymore and it tilts me dude it's just it's callback episode when it lands on she's like do you remember yeah. shit from <laughs> do you remember when you day? said the name of the podcast at the beginning and you why would we do that i don't know okay some people definitely do that a lot of people definitely do that yeah it seems okay. like it's a thing okay. anyways um 
You said it was good, Elena. Do you want to start? Sure. I feel like it's a little bit cruel to make the guests start, but I've been here before. I can handle it. Um, okay. You're a veteran yeah, at this point. Uh, no, this this game for me is an easy gold star. Um, I, I, I think that this game is, I mean, we've talked about it for what, like three hours now at least? I mean, it's a, it's a really, it's a masterpiece in terms of just like the love and attention to detail that went into this environment and this world and how special they make each one of these little stories and the different gameplay elements. I mean, Lewis's section alone, I think would probably give, if this, the rest of this game was awful, it would not be a gold star, but like, that section alone is worth playing this game for, I think. Um, but I also, something we haven't talked about, but that I really appreciate is that this game is like two and a half, three hours long. And it doesn't, it doesn't like dive too deeply into itself. Like it does set up this whole mystery of like, of like the curse and is the family cursed? And is there really a monster who ate Molly and like what is going on? But it, it never tries to answer those questions, really. It hints at them. But in the end, it's kind of like this beautiful, almost simple story about a family who has a lot of really hor- unfortunate experiences. But it's, it, it never, I don't know if takes itself too seriously is the right way to say it. But it never tries to go super hard and be like, we're fully going to flesh this out. And it's going to be supernatural. It's just, it just is what it is. And it's a really amazing, self-contained two to three hours that is just beautiful to play and super captivating and like nothing that you've ever played before and probably will play after and it's just it's so well done um that it's a like an easy gold star for me it'll sit at the top of my favorite games list for Mm. a long time Mm. done boom awesome (laughs) um i guess james bro what do you think are you that high on this game yeah um No, I think that this is a gold star from me as well. Um, I, uh, I cried a lot, uh, during this game. I'm like still recovering from it, playing it last night. Um, just, uh, it really touched me. Um, and, um, not a lot of games do that. Not a lot of stories draw me in and make me care and um, really, um, you know, fill me with love and also, you know, devastation. Um, uh, it It's a beautifully concocted, beautifully written, uh, beautifully... Uh, uh, portrayed um really elegant experience i think that um this this is it's like a perfect example of storytelling done through a game i would say um and um yeah i mean it's just uh an experience yeah indeed yeah i i guess i'll go in since i chose to show you okay um uh yeah i think this game is perfect 
but I think it's perfect in the way that perfect actually is in the real world. When when people people obsess over the word perfect, and they used to obsess a lot back in the days when IGN and maybe they still do, but they had ten out of ten, and the word underneath it was, I think it was perfect, or it might have been masterful. But at some point, there was at some point the word perfect in someone's scale associated with 10. And it was fought over endlessly by people who wanted to say, well, here's a flaw. And that's not what perfect is to me. I don't think anything is without flaws. But I actually think that's if it's good enough and with the right flaws, I think that's what makes something perfect. Like, humans are not perfect. They can't achieve perfection. But when something, like, to me, the concept of perfect is getting so close to perfect that it feels like you've almost, like, it's in a tier all of its own. And in some cases, you've almost never even seen something that's so good. Like, we're not achieving perfect. It's different than that. So I would, I feel very confident in calling this game perfect. I would change nothing. Um... And we could, I don't even care if people are lost in the photography scene. So you, you wouldn't make that deer like it's a little bit bigger? You could. You totally could. And yet, I don't really care because it was perfect. Um, this game makes you feel. And I think there's a, potentially a sickness in our society where there's this idea of people who want to pick and choose everything there's all this choice and there's all this optimizing and they feel like shouldn't i be able to just feel good things and the answer is probably no i would i would gander to say that should you succeed you will destroy your mind um feeling is everything it's the highs and the lows of life it's the beauty and the sadness together so this game makes you feel not just feel happy but feel um, and I will always cherish experiences that are like that because that is true to life. And mm. h- how better a representation of life than this? I mean, it's, it's so personal, I'm sure, to all of us in our own separate mm-hmm. ways, but in our, some ways together. Th- th- this, this is what you're going for, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't get, you don't get better than this, dude. You get different. There can be another game that is also perfect and it will be different, but it will not be better and there's no way to compare another game like this to itself and and put them on a tier list. There's no fucking way. Um, is there an official reading in there? One thumb up. No, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like I think it's I think that's uh 3.5 thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> well, reasonable. Is that what that is? <laughs> well, um, the only other thing I would say is that uh, I always like to bring this concept up because I heard it once actually referred to in the context of esports, but I think it applies to human nature in general and human experience and even humans. And it was it was actually referring to this League of Legends player called Faker who came out of uh, Korea and he was at his time just truly head and shoulders above everyone else. He was a mid laner and his... Uh, knowledge of the matchups, which is the 1v1 that you're taking in mid lane, was incredible, which means he could just get advantages in lane with characters that shouldn't. He was just better in team fights. Like, like if you break the game into sections, he was just better than everyone else at every section. And it became sort of a meme in the community or whatever else. But he truly was this dude at, at for a time in his career, and they 
were sure to tell that story after he was no longer the best player ever um, until he, I'm sure, retired or maybe he's still playing. Who knows? But He's still playing. He still streams, at least. All I can tell you is that unless he's had a resurgence, he hasn't been the faker of back in the day for like probably like, I don't know, eight years, seven years. But at the time that he was this fake, he was head and shoulders above everyone else. It was unfucking believable um, that humans could even pull this off. And everyone else was trying their absolute asses off and this guy was better. So where is this going? Where it's going is Faker did not have to play League of Legends at a competitive level. He did not have to exist at all. Um, And that's how I want people to just take for a second and think about a game like this. Because this game did not have to get made. and And if these people did not make it, it would never be made. And nothing ever close to it would ever be made. Like, there's no game that's close to this. People might say, well, you know, this game has a similar... No, no, no. Like, similarities do not mean... Like, this game in of itself, being in its perfect state, it did not have to exist, and the world could be almost exactly, if not exactly, the same without it. And so I just think we are blessed to have a world with this game in it that we got to experience. Um, And I'm thankful for that. So, Cold Star and stuff, you know. See, this is where I always feel awkward because, like, McCoy comes with a fucking dissertation <laughs> for all this shit. And then I'm just kind of like, it was good. Up. He, like, <laughs> he explains his point and then he brings in Faker from eight years ago. <laughs> and he's Probably like, yeah, so Guys, I live with let me this. just compare it to this. I don't get and, to win uh, any arguments. What? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, no Elena, point. I understand that I'm supposed to do the dishes, but have you heard of fake? First, he writes a five-paragraph no essay, and then he writes fake. a response to his own five-paragraph essay that's ten pages long. Exactly, and includes an explanation about why writes, Faker and then, and is and then still he, the greatest player of all time. And then he edits a video that's about 20 minutes long describing his five-page paper yeah. in response to his five-paragraph essay. And then he's like, and now I'm cutting to Zoe. Yes. <laughs> And she's like, I liked Lewis's section. It was pretty cool. Like, <laughs> God damn it. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. No, you're uh, good. Royster, you're good. He did okay. end with, you know, gold star or whatever. So I think you still have room <laughs> yeah. to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. I'll do my best. Um, no, I mean, I think I'll, I'll, I'll echo everyone's rating in that I, too, will give this game a gold star. Um, when I first saw this game... The thing is, like, when you when you look at this game on a Steam trailer, you kind of look at it and you're like, eh, looks like a mystery walking simulator. In fact, that's why I categorized it in this. I'm like, oh, it looks like a mystery walking simulator. Boy, was I, like, fucking wrong mm-hmm. just to, like, pigeonhole it into that little mm-hmm. category. Because um, it, this game became so much more... Um, I, I love how self-contained this game and its story is within itself, and yet I love the density in which it produces. Like, we've created a podcast that's about the length of the game itself, right? Yeah. Now. <laughs> it might be longer. <laughs> I was actually wondering right. yeah. It might even be longer. Yeah. And, like... The thing is, we, we still kind of glossed over some sections. Yes. Like, that's how fucking dense this game is. Uh, yeah. And I loved every minute talking about it with you guys. And I mm. love... This is what I love about walking simulators. is just when 
attention to detail is paid especially to mind so much so that you are able to just I don't know just unpack things and discuss things uh, that that is honestly what I find to be the beauty of video games in themselves like I'm happy to play my mass effects I'm happy to play you know my my slay the spires and whatnot like those are all fun games uh but this shit right here is why i love video games so much so because fucking art like this is created and this game had everything i could have ever asked for in a walking simulator and it just innovated so much on what we've you know we taught said before it's innovated so much on a genre that you feel like they've done everything for like how could they possibly build upon this and they somehow fucking did it um so really big props to this studio, honestly, like beautiful narrative, beautiful gameplay, absolutely adored this game and its experience. I can totally see myself picking this game back up again uh, in, you know, a couple months time just to experience it all again uh, for another time. Uh, but yeah, definitely gold star for me, like brilliant absolutely knocked it out of the park giant sparrow um kind of interested to play their their first game mm, unfinished swan heard, heard great yeah, things about you know that, the instant so. that we stopped that we uh, that we finished this game mccoy was like they have another game we should just like fuck whatever we're playing next week let's play that one <laughs> I and, I, and that. I was like well i think they kind of go together i feel like zoe curated a really nice couple weeks for us but like maybe after that or something bro, bro. actually this was mentioned before uh, i think both zoe and i echoed the sentiment but um this game is so good that I'm scared for the vanishing of Ethan yeah. Carter. Yeah, and it's funny yeah. because originally <laughs> like, I was excited for the vanishing of Ethan Carter. That one's been on my list for a while where I've seen trailers for it. I'd never seen a trailer for this game, um, but I'm really fucking glad that I played it. Like, McCoy brings home games to the podcast, and I'm like, eh, maybe I'll, yeah, like, sure, I'll play that one with you or whatever. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad mm-hmm. that, one, you didn't play this game alone, but two, but, like, because that's, I don't, I'm just glad that I got to be there for it. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Zoe, Yo, I stole Anna your Perna thunder. Interactive yes. makes so many good, yes. well, publishes so yeah, many good games. Yeah, they seem to have the their heck? finger yeah. on the pulse of, like, really good indie games. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, Microsoft needs to Anna buy Perna them Perna instead Bach. of fucking uh, the people who made Skyrim. Oh, you read <laughs> that news Bethesda. too, Bethesda? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My <laughs> hope is that Bill Gates is buying that shit so he can fix it. He's like, look, you people need to get your shit together. Stop putting this crap out on refrigerators and make a real game they can do you remember <laughs> sorry for the utter left hook that we the continuing stealing on, of zoe's thunder but yeah exactly. i'm done oh great okay there's no character to steal perfect, perfect. okay <laughs> i just want to note that when zoe said like this game has everything um that i love in games she said it in the same way that that guy from snl yeah this place has everything james i (laughs) saw the meme um, that you posted in the discord in the middle of zoe's beautiful statement about that game and i had to like move like move my body away from my mic (laughs) so i could giggle um but also listen very respectfully to what zoe was saying because it was very well (laughs) said the funny thing was james as i said that i immediately flashed to that character from snl (laughs) where i wanted to like list off everything they get. this game has everything <laughs> dead children dead yeah. grandparents <laughs> like, god damn it falling dragons kites uh, it does. <laughs> yes. sunk houses mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a viewfinder the fear of your own mortality mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, somehow oh. always midgets. Every <laughs> single club that he talked about had midgets. Um, this game did but not. But yeah, so. That. No, it didn't. Um, Who is this game for? Okay, yeah. I'll answer that question. All right, anyway, everyone. The point is. What? Oh, I was talking about. I, I, never mind. I realize I was, we're still recording. Jesus yeah. Christ. We are still anyway, recording. The point what is... are we not supposed to be? Wait, hold on. Sorry, wait. No, no. Yeah, no, we're still recording. Yes, we are. I just kind of like zoned out there with the fucking SNL. Yeah, you started quoting <laughs> SNL and laughing in a corner. I think we might be a little delirious. It is a heavy game and it's been a long it, episode. It is a heavy game. But anyway, guys, next week, Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to give that game its due justice. Jesus Christ, there's yeah. big shoes to fill. So, I know. So sorry. Can yeah. I secure but, an uh, early invitation that I am now asking for myself personally to come back on the podcast yeah gabe's also? gonna be sick next week so you're- <laughs> oh no oh no am i leaving this in maybe Beep. Um, Beep. oh shit okay go to therapy <laughs> wow straight right. fire take care okay. everyone hit, hit that stop button before yep, we do I think anything we only go to bed. <laughs> that got spicy